Grumpy Old Geeks, a weekly talk show hosted by Brian Schulmeister and Jason DeFilippo, discussing the finer points of what went wrong on the internet and who's to blame. Welcome to Grumpy Old Geeks. I'm Jason DeFilippo. And I'm Brian Schulmeister. Guten Morgen, Herr Schulmeister. It's, uh, it's very early in the morning. We optimistically decided to record early, and then my son decided not to sleep at all last night for the first time ever, so I'm feeling awesome. Bottom of the morning to you. Exactly. <laughs> There's not enough coffee in the morning for this podcast. All right. Uh, and before we get uh, really jumping into this, I want to let everybody know that we are on the Podcast One uh, podcasting network, so if you Woo-hoo. want to listen to us via an app, go grab the Podcast One app at podcastone.com slash app. They have iPhone and Android for all of you crazy cats out there who don't like your privacy or security and want to run Android. There you go. All right. Exciting stuff. A little follow up, too. We uh, talked about the International Potato Center last week. Yes. Uh, It is actually in Lima, Peru. That is just sad. I mean, especially (laughs) with St. Patrick's Day. I mean, what horrible timing to find out this news. I know. And uh, yeah, in, in retaliation, the International Quinoa Institute is right down the street from the Guinness Brewery. Is that true? No, it's not. Damn. But quinoa is the main crop of Peru. Half of the quinoa in the world is actually made in, or actually, I guess it would be grown in Peru. Although it could be made because it does kind of taste like styrofoam. I hate that stuff. It's, I do too. I can't stand it. So I no longer like Peru. All right. <laughs> Sorry to our one listener in Peru. I apologize. Uh, yes, well, go have a potato for us in Peru. Good listener, sir. Oh, man. I want to talk a little bit about tech support and being a grumpy old geek. Are you going to crap on somebody and name them by name? I am going to do that. I had a feeling. <laughs> Friend of the show, Seth Miranda, writes me yesterday and he's like, hey, man, I got to do a tech doc or a text document. Uh, what's a good text editor for the Mac? Um, I'm like, well, comes with pages. And he's like, derp, need some coffee. <laughs> but that's not the tech support part. A I little was bit... about to say, that's that sounded pretty painless. I don't mind doing that part for friends. That one's easy. Later on, he uh, sent me some questions about how to export a PDF. And uh, ah, yeah. That, yeah, that's what I sent an invoice. Yeah, exactly. I'm like, uh, yeah, dude. Um, and then it, like almost immediately after, he wrote back, said, never mind, figured it out. But oh, I want to yeah. let everybody, everybody who listens to this show know that just because we do a tech podcast, we are not tech support. Just letting you know. It happens to me all the time, but I'm just having fun with Seth because I love the guy. But yeah, we are not tech support. We will uh, talk about tech. We will tell you what you should use on the show. Uh, and I, I would am, like to emphasize on the show. I am tech support for my entire family. I am tech support for uh, most of my friends. I have somehow become tech support for all of my clients, even though they're not paying me for that. Uh, I, I, I've just started to pretend I don't know anything. That's the best. Yeah. Ignorance is bliss. Honestly, yeah. no, I, I put no. my foot down years ago and just won't do it anymore. And, you know, call the geek squad or find a find a friend who is not <laughs> as annoyed by doing your tech support. And in. The, the one thing that I did, which I think is genius, um, I had a little brother <laughs> who's now 24 oh. and, a, oh. and a genius. So I don't get any more tech support questions. But then I get, awesome. and I, I get there and I find out that nothing still works because he's 24 and is a 24-year-old. So oh, right. yeah. Actually, he's 25 now. I forgot he's 20 years younger than me. Crazy. He, fi- he fixed the porn box, but that's about it. <laughs> that's about it. 
No doubt. Yes, if your if your uh, spank machine needs some working on, or your or your proton pack, because he's a particle or not a particle physicist, but he's a medical physicist. If you need uh, need something really smart done, or something to do with porn, he's probably your guy. <laughs> and we're coming up on our four years of podcasting. I know we hit episode two hundred last week, and now we're on two hundred one. But in about two weeks, actually, no, next week is our four year anniversary of doing oh this show. Mm-hmm. So. Here's what I'm doing. And I started this this morning. I listened to episode one of Grumpy Old Geeks about a month ago, just to go back and, you know, hear how bad it really was. Mm-hmm. It's pretty bad. Uh, <laughs> but I'm going through them now. And I started listening this morning. I listened uh, episode two, three, four, five, and I'm halfway through number six with uh, our first guest, Rudy Jashan. Mm-hmm. They're pretty damn good. I got to say. I don't believe it. Trust me, they're actually not bad. You have to listen to them on 2X. There's a couple caveats. We suck on the mic. We really suck on the mic. And we were using two uh, condenser microphones in a cavernous room with airplanes flying overhead and hardwood floors and surrounded by glass. So we were not very smart on the audio side of things. And we banged on the desk a lot. And that was basically us picking up and putting our beers down, which we did a lot of. Uh, so if you listen to it at like 2x, it's palatable. But the knowledge we dropped back in the old days, it's a completely different show back then. Right. And the the best part was I listened all the way to the end. And the one thing that I was just I was cracking up this morning as I was uh, driving from the park. Remember, we're driving to Florida. Yes. The Larry, uh, Larry. What's his name? Something Larry. <laughs> <laughs> Something Larry. It did, You picked it, so. He's a good comedian. I can't remember. Now I'm just stuck saying Larry David, and it's not it's Larry not Larry David. David. No. Very early. Yep. <laughs> yeah. All And we had, like, music bumpers in there, completely illegal. It was uh, it was yeah. a fun show back then. It, uh, Larry Miller. Larry, Larry Miller, Miller. That's the it. The comedian. Yes. Yeah, he's the one that had that really bad uh, head injury. Yes, yes. He used to be on Corolla's podcasting network and did his own show, but then he uh, had... Yeah, he fell walking out of a bar one night and had a concussion and was in the hospital for a couple months, I believe. I think his podcast is back. He's no longer with Corolla, but he's still doing a podcast. Okay, yeah. I I forget what podcast I heard his story on. He went on and told his story, and it was just, like, heartbreaking. Yeah. He didn't, like, couldn't recognize his wife and all sorts of stuff. I mean, it was a bad head injury. Yep. And coming out of a pub. That's what happens. One must be careful. So, uh, but hopefully by the by the next next episode when we record our four year anniversary show, I will have got through the first hundred. My goal is the first hundred. I don't need to listen to one hundred through two hundred because those are those are a little fresh. But those old episodes are actually pretty fun. All right. Well, I, I, I good on you. I, I I will not torture myself in such ways. All right, but uh, I will find the I will find the the argument that we had that we talk about later oh, in security. See, I knew there was a reason why you're going I will back find it. This. And we will never hear from this again cuz Jason will discover that he is wrong and uh, it will not be mentioned. No, if I'm wrong, I will say it cuz in my head it's still there. And I and I think it was episode 4, I did an entire security segment about how to stay safe on the internet. So it doesn't make no, any sense I, to me. It, it makes total. I, I, you will find yourself wrong, Jason. You are definitely the one that was like, if I'm not doing anything wrong, what difference does it make? Okay, that that was your position. That was never mine. All right, I'm gonna, I'm gonna find it, and we're gonna, we're gonna put it in, we're, we'll put it in next week's show, and it will lay that argument to rest, so we never have to talk about it again. Okay, shall we do some news? Yes, we shall. In the news. We've talked uh, about 
the Echo, and we both got super excited about it, or the Amazon Alexa. Um, I have two in my house. I believe you have at least two, correct? I have one. I gave one away. I gave away my Dot. Ah, there you go. Yeah, I have a Dot that never gets used, really. That's um, why I gave it away. <laughs> yeah, so after the initial rush of how cool we thought it was, I think you and I have both agreed it's basically a, a slightly more expensive uh, Bluetooth speaker. And most people seem to kind of agree with the same sort of thing. They've, they've had a really hard time getting people to use any sort of the apps that are coming along uh, for it. Uh, and Amazon is has started to notice this <laughs> and, <laughs> and is kind of throwing out the Hail Mary and just basically begging people to start making skills for the for the uh, Alexa and in the hopes that somebody will come up with something that is actually useful and get people interested again. See, the and interesting such, yeah, the interesting thing is it's like it's not the amount of skills. There's a, a gazillion skills on there. It's remembering yeah. what to say. Uh, or having anything that's actually really useful that isn't easier just whipping out the phone that's in your pocket anyways. True, true. So, and we'll talk about that later in, in our feedback section because somebody sent us a really great link talking about that. Uh, but Amazon has rolled out the AWS promotional credits for Alexa. So basically, if you want to develop a skill, and again, they're really kind of hoping that somebody comes up with a, with a you know, a total unicorn um, a unicorn and rainbows uh, <laughs> skill that everybody's just going to love and get everybody all interested again. Uh, so they're basically saying, here you go. Here's everything you need. Here's the credits. It's going to be completely free for you to develop and host your skills. Build them, please. Yep. I went and signed up for this because it's $100 in credit. Yeah, I did too. Why not? Yeah, I haven't gotten my credit yet, but I'm on the list. And the, the annoying thing is the first thing they do is subscribe you to an email list. Which, of course, which sucks. <laughs> it's like, fortunately, I haven't gotten any spam from it yet, but it's still annoying that the first thing they do is sign you up to an email list. All right, that's that's everything now. I want, we've gotten we've gone back to the the mailing list is king, and if we're going to give you anything at all, we want your name. Yep, we want your email address, and we're gonna we're gonna send you stuff. We promise not to spam. By the nature of me giving you my email address, you're spamming me. So first shut off, up. <laughs> you're, you're spamming, and secondly, and this is a nice little lead into our next story. Uh, it'll probably get hacked, and my email will get out through your list, anyways. Much like anybody that's ever signed up with Yahoo. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> so. Yeah, we've made a lot of fun of Marissa Meyer and Yahoo. Uh, she basically ran that company into the ground. Not necessarily all her fault. Yeah, it so wasn't it really. It, it's not like it was the shining, you know, eagle soaring <laughs> in the sky too close to the sun type of failure. It was already like kind of a groundhog by the time yeah, she took over. She, she was, you know, she hopped on that missile as it's well on the way down into the ground, uh, you know, very Dr. Strangelove style whooping all the way down. Yep. Um, so we made fun of her for getting an awful lot of money and not really being able to stop the decline of Yahoo. Um, ladies, time to get pissed off <laughs> <laughs> because uh, she's out. A uh, nice little package, but uh, the new male CEO that's coming in once this missile has already hit the ground, so he's basically just standing there in a crater, is getting paid even more than she was. You're kidding me. I am not kidding you. This guy is basically getting paid a crap ton of money for a job that involves doing absolutely nothing. Uh, setting aside any discussion of the gender wage gap, and this guy's name is McKierney, McKierney's compensation is all the more remarkable when you take into account his job responsibilities following the Verizon deal. While Mayer was hired to tackle the Herculean challenge of turning around Yahoo's struggling media business, an impossible task, as which we've discussed many times on this show, and she obviously failed, he is basically getting a paycheck for what may practically be called a no-show job. Uh, I smell nepotism. Ah, uh, 
Jim, you know, you and I basically said, hey, we're here, Yahoo, hire us. I wish they would have. <laughs> <laughs> they could have given us this outrageous paycheck to just basically sit there and go, yep, company's screwed. Yeah. Well, what a deal, man. What a deal. What a, what a deal. Yeah. Unbelievable. Because we, I mean, we made fun of her, her package when she first got the job. It was ridiculous. And yep. if this guy's getting double for like just kind of sitting around with his thumb up his ass once they moved to Verizon. Wow. Yep. Talk about winning the jackpot. I mean, he is getting paid multi-million dollars to basically just sit in on a bunch of conferences. Well, that's, uh, that's it. He's just going to be sitting in a room while Verizon talks about what they want and what they don't want. And that's that. I still don't know what the hell's going on with this deal. I don't know why Verizon is doing it. It makes no sense. There's nothing valuable there. I know. You could get all the emails off the dark web. Seriously. We can just, you know. <laughs> I see Ello should just go buy that mailing list and just spam all the Yahoo people and bring them all over to Ello. Yeah. Buy our T-shirts. <laughs> I forgot that's their, that's their <laughs> whole business plan now. Uh, so, uh, you know, we always like the, the Europeans for their, their privacy can, you know, basically sitting around and saying, Hey, no, you cannot invade all of our EU citizens privacy all the damn time. And yep. we, we want to take care of our people. And if you're going to sell your product on our soil, well, you have to abide by our rules. Yeah. And thank you so much European Union for that pop-up window on all websites about cookies. Yeah, we know we get it. Yeah, we get it. That was a little too much, and they're going to roll that back. Thank God. Good. Mm -hmm. um, and yeah, it just never, it just never ceases to amaze me the stupidity of some people. <laughs> but right now, they're going after Facebook, Twitter, and Google for complying with regional rules about uh, consumer rights. Good, which, which is very interesting. And there's a lot of specifics that uh, media companies cannot do under EU consumer rules. And a couple of them are social media networks cannot deprive customers of their right to go to court in their member state of residence. Good. Awesome. That's, yep. that's amazing because we certainly can't do that here because everything, every all the fine print here says arbitration only. Social media networks cannot require consumers to waive mandatory rights such as their right, right to withdraw from an online purchase. Good. Terms of services cannot limit or totally exclude the liability of social media networks in connection with performance of the service. So, okay. Interesting. Yeah, that's a, that's an interesting one for sure. I'm not sure how one defines performance of a social network. Yeah, <laughs> seriously. <laughs> uh, yeah, uh, that, 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 that is a, that's some gray area right there. I'm like, are we yeah, just talking about being bit. up or being not a steaming pile of shit? Yeah. Uh, Hello, you're in trouble. Sponsored content cannot be hidden, but should be identifiable as such. Okay. I think everybody kind of does that. They make yeah, those for the, for the sponsor, most part these days. Yeah. The little sponsor tag keeps getting smaller and smaller. It's like, how many how many pixels do we have to make this? Yeah. Social media networks cannot unilaterally change terms and conditions without clearly informing customers about customers. Hang on. Custards? Social media networks cannot unilaterally change terms and conditions without clearly informing consumers about the justification and without given Without giving them, the, it should be giving. Uh, yeah. way, to, way to go. Uh, who, who wrote this one? Oh, this would be TechCrunch. Okay. Uh, yeah, nice nice one. Giving them the possibility to cancel the contract with adequate notice. I wish what, this what, was what legal here. What contract? Terms and conditions. <laughs> oh, yeah. Okay, the T's and C's, right. Yeah, yeah, and a couple other things. But it's it's nice that they're they're like, you know, putting the, putting the pressure on them. Put the squeeze on them. This will never It'll trickle never down to the... Here. It'll never happen here, but... What are you going to do? 
So yep. good on you, EU. Now get rid of that fucking cookie thing because I'm sick of it. I agree. Uh, we talked about the Lyft lawsuit a long time ago. Yep. And the judge came back in the original one saying, no, 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 you're not suing for enough money. <laughs> and said it, this would be, it was like a, an insult to the the actual plaintiffs who were putting the the lawsuit out there, which is the issue about our Lyft drivers employees or not yes so this has finally uh gotten approval for the a 27 million dollar settlement from judge vince Chibura in san francisco i can't even begin to pronounce that name this early in the morning cahabria like uh, coheed and cabria okay, oh yeah that weird band that i can never spell or get their name right yeah i could never do that either but i played a lot of no. them on uh, guitar hero surprisingly okay. Um, but the settlement does agree to keep drivers as independent contractors. Yeah, see, I don't like this at all. I, I the twenty-seven million dollars settlement is fine, but this seems like they the this doesn't seem like what our legal system is supposed to be for because we got money out of this, but no decision. The yeah. settlement agreement keeps drivers as independent contractors. Well, they were suing to not be independent contractors, so you gave them money, but now they're still independent contractors. But then the final kicker of the line is, and the status of Lyft drivers under California law remains uncertain going forward. So what the fuck did you people do? Well, they got $27 million bucks out of Lyft. That's what they uh, did at this point. All right. That's, well, pr- that's, that's yeah. the sum of it at that point. <sighs> it's useless. Well, it's a step in the right direction. And now at least these people can go, like, you know, get their car washed. Yes. Because I'm sure they got like four bucks each. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah, that sounds about right. So uh, Thursday morning, I woke up and and Twitter was all a buzz. Oh, no. Twitter is a buzz. Oh, tell me more. And there were screenshots of one particular company's Twitter account. Uh, they had a pin twint. A pin twint. <laughs> What's a pin twint? <laughs> a pinned tweet. <laughs> I like pinned twint even better, though. They should. Uh, That's my, you should sell that to Twitter for a million dollars. That's my new username on Ella. Yeah. Uh, it was real Donald Trump. You are actually a disgusting excuse of a president, and we would love to have Barack Obama back. Also, you have tiny hands. <laughs> well done, whoever and, hacked into McDonald's Twitter. Okay, so it was McDonald's that got, got hacked on that one. Yes, yes. They were McHacked, as, as every single journalist. I blame the Hamburglar. I blame the Hamburglar. That's good. That's good. Uh, yeah. So they quickly, you know, said that they'd been hacked and apologized and, you know, did all the, did the corporate shuffle that says that we don't prefer anybody. We love everyone equally. Just please buy our products that kill you. <laughs> um, so, yeah, and, and people were obviously pissed off. And, I, and again, to me, this is like you have how much time do you have on your hands to actually sit there and then tweet back and say how you're so offended and Donald Trump is the best and I'm never going to have another one of your burgers again. Well, because but most of the people, that's what happens. most of the people <laughs> that voted for Trump frequent McDonald's a lot. So, yeah, well, you got You yeah. got You got to play to your base, man. You got to play to your base. You got to play to your base. So if you have any interest in whatsoever and how much uh, this probably costs McDonald's and what happens when a large organization like this gets supposedly hacked or at least, an, uh, you know, an employee goes rogue and well, maybe it was probably his last day. Well, here's the deal. No, that came in a wave of massive Twitter hacks. That was just one of a, a huge swath of Twitter hacks that happened that day. So yeah, they were true. they were definitely hacked. It was there's yeah. no there's no question about that. But uh, yes. I, I prefer the the 17 year old social media manager manager who's just tired and fed up. Yeah, well, uh, I, what this article, there's a link in the show notes. I won't go through it at all. But what this article kind of tells you is it's not like back in the day when you and I would run social accounts uh, for at least not for a company like this. Uh, it kind of runs through the the 
large amount of people that are involved with every decision being made on every tweet and the lawyers and the teams and the uh, silo meetings. God, if I ever heard that term again. Anyways, I've never uh, been in a silo meeting. What's that? A silo meeting is when you bring in people from different parts of the organization for an overarching conversation. Oh, I, you bring no. in the lawyers along with the PR, along with the marketing managers, along with the publicity department. Blah, okay. Blah. I had and, when I worked at Paramount, we did have those for some of our movies. Yes, they were terrible. Yeah, there you go. So, yeah, if you want to know exactly uh, what those poor people's days were like after the the day after this this tweet, <laughs> there you, it's an interesting article. And there's still um, that single point of failure for the person who actually has to type it into Twitter. So, exactly, you know? yeah, exactly. Unless so. unless there's a committee and like you have to turn the keys. Like, okay, everybody typed in the tweet. Everybody look at it. Okay, everybody turn their key to the right on three, two, like launching a nuke. You know. <laughs> yep. We're launching our tweet today. Boom. Emarketer has dropped its 2017 revenue estimates for Snap. So Snap is continuing to not have a very good time after going public. They're down to so, 19 bucks today. They're down to 19 bucks. Emarketer has cut their revenue estimate by almost 4%. So they took off $34 million from its original January estimate. And uh, yeah, you know, I think we've said since day one, what's the product? <laughs> Why are they worth anything? <laughs> well, same reason that Instagram is and, uh, you know, it's the audience, but the audience is dwindling rapidly. The audience is dwindling and dwindling rapidly and they're going to grow out of it and it's not going to take over. So we shall see. But uh, I, I, I hold firm with my I did not buy any stock and I will not. Yes, this could be one of the, the greatest shark fins in history. Could be certainly one of the most uh, most expensive. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Now, I saw this one, which was very strange. Um, someone tweeted a seizure in seizure, seizure. Yeah, Are you in. looking at it right now, Jason? Do I, I must need to call be. someone? Do you smell toast? <laughs> Turn it into you. Um, uh, so yes, yeah, somebody tweeted a seizure inducing strobe image to Kurt Eichenwald mm-hmm. from Vanity Fair. Yes. And, uh, gave him a seizure, which is a, yeah. now here's the, here's the interesting part. While being a completely dick move, uh, yes. you can't get around that it's a dick move. The FBI has arrested the guy who sent the tweet. And seems a bit above and beyond, but well, what they're claiming is it's a federal crime because it crosses state borders and that it's, you know, it's some kind of harassment. And it's it, this one I'm I'm on the fence about. I yes, the guy is a complete and utter asshole, but this is the internet and you can post pictures of things and What's to say that, you know, it did trigger him or not? It, there's a lot going on in this one. No, there's a lot. I mean, certainly it was targeted. The person sent it on purpose to somebody that they knew had epilepsy. Um, uh, but then again, you know, uh, cast back your minds uh, 10 years to MySpace pages. Half of them would have caused epilepsy. Or, or GeoCities. Uh, I mean, uh, you know, I mean, it, it's just it is the Internet and people do stupid things and post really ugly graphics all the time. Um, I'm also concerned about the use of the crossing of state lines sorts of things with this sort of stuff, because I don't think that it's legal or fair to use that when you are not in control of dissemination methods and do not know where the servers are on things. Um, well, they know where I, the people are, though. They know right. that the guy who sent it was in another state. So that's what they, that's that was his justification for calling are the you, feds. I, again, I don't think I, this is another case where I understand why they're using that law, but the law is not kept up with the technology, and it's somewhat ridiculous to use that. Yeah, and just the fact that it, they're wasting federal tax dollars on a guy who tweeted at somebody else with a with a rage tweet, 
Yeah. You know? Yeah. I, I agree. Yes. Now, we'll go from wasting money to wasting time and rage tweets to rage reviews. Uh, there's been a lot of looking. I remember you just taught you watched the, the recent Amy Schumer special. I watched okay. 20 minutes of it and then I had and, to turn it off. Yes, you justifiably did not enjoy it because you really did not enjoy it. Did you go online and review it? Uh, yes. Well, I, I I didn't review it, review it in an in a, uh, actual forum for reviews. I just tweeted that it was a steaming pile of shit and she's still not funny. Gotcha. <laughs> well, uh, this has kicked off something. Um, and, and there's been some, some math done on this and some statistical analyses. And apparently men are sabotaging online reviews of TV shows aimed at women. Well, Whether another, purposefully that's, or not, I don't know. But this is from 538. So there is some real math behind it. Uh, it's an interesting link and an interesting read. Um, it's to some degree, it comes down to there are just more guys than women online. And there's a bit more of the guys are just more dicky than women are. <laughs> Actually, there are more women than men online. That has been, uh, if you look at well, any okay. of the, any, any of the, you know, census results on internet population, women, women outnumber us. <laughs> Okay, let me rephrase that then. There are more men than women actually doing reviews. Okay. How's that? Okay, I don't know if that's true, but we'll take it, well, at, we'll take it at face value on that one for now. Um, anyways, go ahead and read through the article, and it basically just shows that, yeah, men are, men are more likely than women to give worse ratings for things. Women will kind of go more middle of the ground, even if they didn't really like it, while men will just, you know, drop a one bomb out of 10. Mm -hmm. uh, and there, yeah, so this seems to be a skewing of of ratings in, in favor of kind of men-based TV shows. Uh, they're using Sex and the City as their main single point case because Sex and the City is a far lower rated show than it really should be. Um, and I agree with that because I love Sex and the City. I would have given it a good rating. Okay. Um, yeah, newsflash, men are assholes. Yep. Uh <laughs> Like I said, that was one of my two points. There are more yeah. men doing reviews than women are, and men are dicks. Yeah, that's about it. Uh, I I do draw the line at the Sex in the City movies, though. You cannot. You no, can't. No, there, there's no, no, no justification no. for those in any way, shape, or form in the known universe. Well, there is a justification for women, and and the women told me it was the outfits. But the the they the, even the women agree that the movies sucked. Yeah. So. Yeah. Okay. Speaking of sucking, Tim Berners Lee thinks the web now sucks. This just in. <laughs> Breaking news, man! He's on a slow connection. Yeah, <laughs> he's still he's still on his dial-up at CERN. Yeah, he's still using a three hundred baud dial-up, apparently. Yeah, um, and he he says that there are three things that we need to change to save the web. Okay. Um, we've lost control of our personal data, and we need what? to get it back. Yes, I, I haven't heard anybody saying such things. Nope. Uh, he says it's too easy to for misinformation to spread on the web. What? Uh, I I I. <laughs> Let, let's let's harken back to 1994 when I think both you and I started on the web and uh, there was still misinformation back then. So hmm. <laughs> you, you create a platform, Tim Berners-Lee, where anybody can publish anything and you think people are always going to be truthy. Well, sorry to burst that bubble. And uh, political advertising online needs transparency and understanding. Uh, nah. Yeah, that's not going to be accomplished in a GIF. No, it's not. No. Uh, yeah. So thanks, Tim Berners-Lee, for that little dose of duh <laughs> out of the <laughs> gate. Okay. Yeah. Oh, well. Uh, let's let's talk about Uber for a second. Oh, really? Since we already talked about Lyft. Okay. Uh, we've got a couple great Uber stories here. Um, this one comes from Boing Boing, but it's about a an article on Daniel Compton's site. 
And uh, the title is, If Google Wins Its Trade Secret Suit Against Uber, It Could Tank Uber. Yay. Oh, wait, yeah. I'm not supposed to clap. Okay. <laughs> well, you didn't clap. You yayed. Yeah. I... Now, the the rationale behind this, because we both <clears throat> said that, you know, nah, it's this. Well, the sexism thing isn't going to kill Uber. You know, we, no. we figured that out. No. No. Never. That's not a, a thing at all. What is a thing is if they lose all of their R&D that they've done on their self-driving cars so far, and it all goes back to Google, they're mm-hmm. starting from, they say, it isn't just square one, it's square minus one million. Because their whole game plan right now is to subsidize everything with all the yep. rides, getting cheap rides and all the stuff to drive everybody out of the business until the yep. self-driving cars come in when they flip the switch get rid of the drivers, go to self-driving cars, then profit. Yep. If they don't have their self-driving car tech, well, that puts them at a huge disadvantage over everybody else that's actually way ahead of them already. You know? Yeah. Like even, the, they don't they don't even think they mentioned Tesla, but they talk about, you know, the major car manufacturers who are all in on self-driving yeah. cars. Mm-hmm. Everybody's coming after them now. Yeah. And I think, you know, this was a miscalculation on their point where they thought that, oh, well, we're just going to hire everybody from Carnegie Mellon and get everybody from the robotics labs to come and build our self-driving Ubers. Well, uh, looks like you may have hired the wrong guy on this one. So we'll see how this is going to play out. But it is an interesting take and a very interesting read on uh What's going to happen if if they do lose this lawsuit, which it seems on the surface like they might. And there's some pretty compelling evidence. Uh, the whole uh, the Daniel Compton basic timeline shows if this is true, they're screwed. Yeah, I mean, basically. Uh, and we'll see. I mean, normally in a case like this, especially with companies this big, I would just, you know, I'd be go. So who cares? This is just a this just means a couple gazillion dollars are going to shift from one person to another and things will continue on as they were. They'll just pay somebody off. Uh, but Uber can't really pay this one off. Um, also, they can't pay it off because they're so deep in with their investors right now. They are they're at that point where it's make or break time and they can't afford another couple billion dollar loss. So no. we'll see. Yeah, and they can't afford the billion-dollar loss, but they also can't afford the time. The time yeah. is the real issue because everybody's coming after them, and which gets me to their next story about Uber. <laughs> Uber's autonomous cars drove 20,354 miles and had to be taken over at every mile. Yep. Wow. <laughs> yeah. I, I mean, we've said it's been such a confusing space. I, we've been covering the press on this for, for quite a while now. And, you know, in the same show, we'll have an article talking about how driverless cars are, are you know, they're almost be here. Rolling, they're rolling out next year. And then we'll read another article, which says, come on, people. It's like 25 years away still. Yeah. Uh, but now it seems to be tipping more into the it's it's a good while away still. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. The interesting bit here is it's, you know, they can go 0.8 miles before a safety driver had to take over for one reason or another. Mm-hmm. But we get to the the interesting part in this uh, article from Recode, which is talks about critical interventions. And this is yeah. how many times a safety driver had to take over to avoid harmful events. And those are incidents that would have resulted in a car hitting a person or causing more than around $5,000 in property damage if the driver did not take over. Yeah. Now, this one, this one floored me. They're only at 200 miles between those types of incidents. But they, 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 they should be happy because it's an improvement from the previous week, which was 114 miles. <laughs> <laughs> that number needs to be at 200,000. 
before oh, it, needs, it needs to be yeah. above 200,000. It needs to be statistically insignificant. It needs to be 200 million. It, well, it's not going it's never going to get there just from the random nature of driving, but you know, if you're you know, if they tried to put out a self-driving plane that took, you know, that the pilot had to jump in every 200 miles, we'd never leave the ground. No, um, no, that's no, why that's why ridiculous. the FAA is one of the greatest, you know, bodies on the planet because they that's why airline travel is the safest way to travel and self-driving cars. Not so much as it turns out. Yeah, it's it's a little crazy. That's the yeah, completely unacceptable numbers. And I, I no wonder they fought so hard to not release any information. <laughs> uh, Uber. Security. Ha! All right, welcome back to Security with Dave Bittner. What you doing, Dave? Hello, gentlemen. Nice to be back. How's everything going with you all? Not bad. Fantastic. <laughs> all right. Are you ready to jump into it? Yes, please. All right. Well, this week's big story. Uh, of course, we're all familiar with the Yahoo breaches. <laughs> uh, breaches yeah. in pl- plural. <laughs> <laughs> and uh billions and billions of breaches they're huge yeah. they're huge breaches basically all the emails um all of yes. them um well the department of justice says they know who did it and they've uh some people have been collared they've got two russians that have been charged uh, actually four charged with uh, this this crime we've got two russian spies and two hired hackers it's amazing how everything is just turning up russia these days <laughs> you know, it is. Uh, <laughs> it's, it, it's just a little shocking just how everything seems to be Russian. Well, in this one, I think it's a little convenient, but... Yeah, but you, you've always been conspiracy theory on the Sony breach, Jason, so I expect you to... That's because I had way. somebody inside Sony that told me about it. That wasn't a conspiracy theory. I had a somebody inside Sony. <laughs> but you, you, we've all... I think all three of us have said that we never believed it was a quote-unquote state-sponsored attack on Yahoo. So maybe we're eating crow on this one. Tell us more about it, Dave. Well, I mean, I think one of the things we need to to remember when we're talking about the Russians is that, um, you know, state sponsored or organized crime is quite often a distinction without a difference. Oh, that's Um, a good point. Yeah. When it comes to the Russians. So, you know, state spies often do work on the side or they may hire uh, organized crime folks to do the work for them so that they may have plausible deniability. Um, those sorts of things. So the uh, DOJ has uh, two Russians who've been charged. They're officers of the Russian Federal Security Service. And the two other who have indicted are um, paid by the Russian spies to hack into Yahoo. Um, they have one of, they collared one of them in Canada, I believe. And uh, so he will likely be sent to the U.S. to face trial. Um, the other interesting little twist in this is that one of the Russians is being He's not only in trouble with us, but he's being charged by Russia as being a double agent. Ooh, the plot thickens. Uh, yeah. So, you know, uh, I, 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 you know, Jason, if we wanted to feed your conspiracy theory, there have been an awful lot of dead Russians turning up lately. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so Actually, that's that's also true. <laughs> yeah. And uh, so I don't suspect that he will make his way back to the United States for trial. He got some bad <laughs> poutine. Yeah, there's no such thing, Jason. There's no such thing. <laughs> you know, so we we may see some people come to justice for this. Um, you know, the, the horse is out of the barn, of course. Uh, <laughs> Yahoo CEO uh, Marissa Mayer, um, you know, she gave up her cash bonus from 2016, uh, which is worth about 14 million dollars. 
How much? How much is that in rubles? That's a good question. That's a good question. It probably goes farther over there than it does here, though. So that's uh, about point zero zero one cent for every email that got hacked. Something like that's that. That's what that and works course, out to. Yeah, and Yahoo's um, the the price that uh, Verizon is going to pay for Yahoo has gone down by I want to say three hundred and fifty million dollars or so. Yeah, that's what I read too. Yeah. Yeah, which is you know <laughs> pretty soon you're talking about real money. Um, it's it's a lot, but relative to the size of the sale, it's, I, I guess, you know, uh, appropriate or, you know, in the ballpark. It's a traffic but, ticket. Um, yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. So, uh, you know, we caught some folks for doing some bad things and we'll see if they actually uh, get brought to justice. Excellent. Well, I, I'm a big audiophile and I come from an audio engineering background, so I love this particular story and I can't wait to hear your guys' take on it. Uh so a group of computer security researchers at the University of Michigan and University of South Carolina have demonstrated that they are able to take control of or at least influence, whatever that may mean, devices through the tiny accelerometers that are standard components in products like smartphones, fitness monitors, and even automobiles through the use of audio. Yeah. Basically, sound files that they would play, uh, rumor has it, is Katy Perry, uh, <laughs> at these devices that can basically... <laughs> control them or at least uh, influence them, add steps to Fitbit, Fitbit fitness monitors, et cetera, et cetera, through malicious music files. This is pretty interesting. I mean, we've we've heard rumor and even talked about air gapping, uh, leaping air gaps before, but I think this is the first time we've ever heard about just sound being used. And it's interesting yeah. that they're going through the accelerometer uh, and what that they're what they're able to accomplish by doing that. So and what I think this really points out and when they talk about it in the article is just the, you know, how these complex systems interact. And when you find one entry point, then you can theoretically get to other subsystems and eventually own the device. Yeah, I think this is a really interesting article. There were a couple of things that came to mind for me. One was, um, uh, you know, drones. So even little consumer drones, which have built in accelerometers, and that's how they maintain, part of how they maintain where they are, where they're going, how fast they're going and things like that. So, you know, imagine your little DJI Phantom flying around, you know, over a picnic or a wedding and um, somebody sends the right audio file to it, scrambles the accelerometers. Um, what happens next? Now, the next point, what that brings me to is what kind of failure modes do these devices have? You know, the huh. accelerometer fails in your phone, eh, probably not a big deal, really. The uh, accelerometer fails in a drone that's flying over a wedding, or as a friend of mine likes to put put it, uh, a lawnmower flying over your wedding. <laughs> um, you know, what, what happens next? You would assume that it has some sort of fail-safe mode where uh, it safely just lands itself or, you know, something flies up to a safe altitude or, or you know, some, something like that. But who knows? But it uses the accelerometer to for the fail safe mode. That's where that's where your pickle comes in. And, and this is also one of those points where it would be good to uh, say, have, say, I don't know, government oversight. <laughs> At that yes. point, I don't, it still doesn't matter. I mean, you could have as much oversight no, uh, of a broken drone as you want, you know? No, it does matter because I'm talking about the government oversight of having these kind of like emergency mode situations built into things, which I'm sure there is no standard for right now for drones. If something goes extremely wrong, governments usually step in and say, okay, you need to have these fail safe steps built into your devices. That isn't happening right now because we don't, you know, bother with these sorts of things. Well, the Department of Homeland Security is actually putting out a security advisory to the makers of these chips. 
So somebody's paying attention to it. Trump know about yeah. that yet? Because I'm sure he's about to cancel that. For sure. <laughs> the, the other the other, you know, device that I thought of was all of those um, really cool you know, those cool videos we see where they've got those research robots that can. Oh, yeah. You know, <laughs> jump over things and run over <laughs> things. And, you know, so imagine if you were able to blast, you know, some kind of audio file at one of those robots and make it basically uh, make it dizzy. Right. I mean, it. Right. Th- that's kind of what it would be like. It would. And and so what kind of fail safe mode would it have? Would it just to drop to the ground and curl up in a little ball? Well, what I really yeah. want to do is get a hold of one of these uh, these sound files that they're using and figure out how to embed it in a Nickelback song, because <laughs> that would be the best to be able to just come out and play Nickelback at a drone and have it fall from the sky. I think that would be uh, yeah well at the best in- case scenario <laughs> insult to injury stands to reason it works on most humans. That's true. Yeah. <laughs> exactly yeah. insult to injury. All right, what's next? <laughs> So it turns out thieves in China are actually using QR codes. Oh, gasp, people still use QR codes, you say? Well, apparently in China, they are a big deal. Yeah. And hackers over there are actually, they're foiling QR codes with stickers. Nice. Who would have saw that coming? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Just the kind of innovative high-tech crime that you would expect. Uh, I uh, see and, your so- QR code and I replace it with my own. Yeah. My own laser jet printed sticker. So I guess people use these QR codes over there to pay to make payments for mm-hmm. all kinds of things. Yep. And so you, you basically, you know, you you open your little digital wallet and then you scan the QR code and that has the information on where to send the money and how much. Well, <laughs> if you're not paying attention. So if I put my bank on my bank account on there and you want to pay for I don't know, a soda or something and you go up and you scan it, it sends the dollar to me, and you just think, well, it didn't give me a soda, it must be broken, and you walk away, and then, you know, repeat, and profit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. It's clever. I, like it. I just like it because it's clever and it's low-tech. <laughs> I like it. Well, and, and who, who knew they were still using QR codes? Yeah, that, that's the one thing that I found most surprising. I thought those went yeah. the way of the dodo when uh, marketers could not get anybody to scan them because it doesn't. There's no scanning software generally built into your phone. No, right. the apps are shit. Oh, they're terrible. I think the most ridiculous uh, use of a QR code that I remember seeing was there was one time when Bill Cosby was on uh, the Letterman show and uh, he held out a, he held up a printout of a QR code to have people go to his website. Yeah. Um, and. Uh, you know, I was like, okay, here, here all right. And of course, this is when we all still loved Bill Cosby. So, yeah, little, little, little do people know that QR code is still in use and it gets you a free beverage now. Yeah, it's a special right. beverage. That's right. <laughs> yes, exactly. Exactly. So, we talked about WeVibe on the show before, which is the internet enabled vibrator. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Turns out, <laughs> how, how could anything go wrong? I, I'm pretty sure we said that right there and then when we talked about it. Well, uh, unfortunately for them, they got caught saving all your, uh, your banging data and, uh, <laughs> had to end up paying about $4 million back to the owners of the device for the privacy, uh, kerfluffle. Ah, the internet of things. Yep. In this case, the internet of very intimate things. <laughs> I got to tell you right now, just as a use case scenario and to make a little bit of money on the side, I'm going to start to buy every stupid product that comes out that does this sort of stuff that tracks and, and takes your data. And I'm just going to buy them so I can get in on the class action lawsuits because they're they're going to be coming fast and furious on all <laughs> these devices. It's class action so- insurance for sure. Right, right. Just buy one of everything, and it's like buying every space on the Monopoly board. One of them's got to hit. Exactly. So sooner or later, people are going to be paying you rent. Yeah. 
<laughs> well, the other thing that I was wondering about this was uh, as these uh, these uh, quote novelty end quote devices um, become more and more high tech. Um, at what point do they cross over to become medical devices? Because you know you can't you can't just you can't make a blood pressure cuff you know without having it go through FDA approval. And uh, you know p- these things are being used for much more invasive uses than something like that. So. I wonder about that. And actually, I I dug up and found the answer. Uh, (laughs) It turns out that um, if you it's it's all about labeling, if you label label them as a novelty, then uh, the FDA uh, has doesn't really isn't concerned with them. And it actually falls under the uh, Consumer Protection Agency. So what happens is it's the difference between a proactive agency and a reactive agency. With the FDA, you have to prove that it's safe ahead of time. Um, with the Consumer uh, Product uh, Safety Commission, I think it is, um, they basically follow up on multiple reports of things going wrong. So that's how it works. So it sounds like the same difference between uh, labeling something as a supplement and uh, something as an actual bit of medicine. Yep. Right. Yep. That's exactly what it is. One of the interesting things on the the previous uh, article about the sound wave hacking is one of the people who was working on the sound hacking is actually a researcher for medical devices. So Kevin Fu is a uh, computer scientist at the University of Michigan and uh, the chief executive of Verta Labs. And it's a company that focuses uh, mainly on cybersecurity and healthcare. So Mm. that's what he's, uh, that's one of the things that he's, he's following up on with uh, this research into the sound waves because he doesn't want somebody to be able to walk in and, you know, play some really crappy music and have your pacemaker turn off. Right. That'd be bad. Yeah. Would Mm -hmm. be a bad day. Yep. I finally got around to watching the movie Zero Days. We talked about it a couple weeks ago on the show, and uh, I found myself home with the flu and said, ah, let's watch a movie that will be a pick-me-upper. Uh-huh. <laughs> so, let's, let's find out what happened <laughs> with good old Stuxnet. Uh, so the first half of the movie, you basically have to read a bunch of emails. <laughs> it's really boring. <laughs> oh. uh, they just kept showing text up on the screen and lots of code samples and things like that. I'm like, are you kidding me? Way to grab your audience. Seriously. And it finally gets into some stuff later on where they actually have some pretty amazing uh, uh, leaks from people in the NSA, some people who were in tailored access operations while Stuxnet was happening. And I'm going to save the reveals for watching the movie, but it's pretty good. I got a, I, by the time I was done with it, I was like, that was a pretty good movie and uh, kind of scary. I have not seen it. I did watch the trailer, but of course, all trailers are good these days. So uh, <laughs> it looked it looked pretty compelling. Although I have to ask you, I mean, was it was it the sort of uh, oh my gosh, you know, everyone be scared, they're going to shut down the grid and the dams are going to collapse and uh, all that kind of stuff. There really? was there was some of that in there. Not yeah. not a huge amount, but some of it. And some of the stuff that they the guys from the NSA were saying that we had done already is pretty pretty out pretty out there even for me to believe but it was like kind of unnerving mm. yeah just just coming from you know people who are who have been working on this stuff yeah and the stuff about stuxnet and how it proliferated and how the guys at Symantec did all their research on it was pretty fascinating the fact that they found the the second batch of stuxnet like down to the first five infections was pretty cool. And uh, and Stuxnet, of course, is the malicious computer worm that uh, they said was uh, responsible for damaging Iran's nuclear program. Cent- yeah, it took, down the cent- it took down the centrifuges for, yep. nice. for all of yep. their in- uranium enrichment. And right. it, well, it tried to. <laughs> That's the thing. It didn't really have 
uh, that much impact at all besides really screwing up our, our cybersecurity operations. Yeah, well, I'll have to check that out. I have not seen that movie. Um, but, uh, well, let me ask you, is it worth my time? Absolutely worth your time. I would, right. you know, I would wait for, wait for it to drop on Netflix or maybe uh, take a jaunt over to Sweden for now until it gets to Netflix. Uh, mm-hmm. It was definitely not worth the 20 bucks I paid for it. Okay. Right. So um, yeah. if you can rent it, rent it. It's worth a rental. You know, it's five, six bucks worth a rental uh, to own it because that was the only way I could find it when I got it was to, to buy it. So, um, okay. But if, if it's, uh, if you have the option to rent it for a couple of days on, you know, Amazon or iTunes or whatever, definitely worth, you know, five bucks. Okay, cool. good. I'll check it out. All right. So last week when we left our heroes, uh, <laughs> Brian, Brian actually had an inquiry. He, he sent me home with some homework. Brian, you want to uh, you want to uh, reiterate what you asked last week? Yeah, sure. We had heard a bunch of stories recently about people crossing the border, including American citizens. One of them, an employee at, I believe, JPL, or was it NASA? It, it was JPL, but I believe he had a NASA-owned device. Yeah, so something like he was that. An American citizen that was basically told to turn over his cell phone at the border. Um, so people could do basically whatever the hell they wanted with it. One would assume make copies, et cetera, et cetera. As I will be traveling internationally very soon, I thought I would ask our resident expert, what the hell is going on? What are some (laughs) easy ways to say, uh, again, Jason and I had a long going argument on the show where Jason took the view of, if I'm not doing anything wrong, who cares? And I always said, no, that's complete bullshit. And I still have Uh, to go back because I still believe that's backwards. (laughs) It's but not. What backwards. do you mean? <laughs> I, I always took the side of it's incredibly important to have security and be safe, and nobody should be a- have access to our data. No, that was I my never... argument, and then you flipped it no, around one day you when you finally so... came to see the light. That is boys, completely wrong. Boys. We were def- <laughs> somebody, somebody who isn't us and has time on their hands, go back and do the research on this. <laughs> Anyways, the point being, uh, so my question is, what are some very, assuming I've done nothing wrong, but I still don't want the U.S. government to take my cell phone and make a copy of it. What am I looking at here when I cross the border? Okay, so there are a couple different ways to come at this. Um, one way to come at this is what are your rights as a U.S. citizen? You know, if you want to mm-hmm. come through customs and say, I'm a U.S. citizen, here's my passport, I know my rights, you know, w- well, what are your rights? Well, the fact of the matter is there's a lot of um, fuzziness about that. <laughs> Turns oh, out, joy. That, <laughs> yeah. Turns out that your normal Fourth Amendment rights um, don't necessarily apply at the border the way they do uh, in the rest of the country. In other words, you know, if someone wants to, uh, we all know if someone wants to come in your house, if law law enforcement wants to come in your house, go through your papers, uh, they have to get a warrant to do so. Um, But uh, the Supreme Court has ruled that at the border there is a good enough reason for uh, searching your stuff that that does not apply at the border. Now, this was established to go through your suitcase, right? To make sure that Mm -hmm. you don't have, uh, you know, fruits or vegetables or explosives or... You're coming back from Jamaica. Yeah, yeah, exactly. All All those reasons that I think most of us probably think are reasonable and, you know, don't really have that much of a problem with anyone going through our regular luggage because, you know, we kind of agree that's, that's okay. But obviously things are different with our mobile devices because your mobile devices contain so much more of your life. So that is still kind of up in the air, uh, as a contested issue. Um, 
However, uh, there is a case. Uh, we actually have um, on the CyberWire, one of our experts who comes on the show regularly is uh, a gentleman named Ben Yellen. He's a senior law and policy analyst at the University of Maryland Center for Health and Homeland Security. Uh, he's actually a lawyer, and um, this sort of policy is right up his alley. And um, we had, I actually asked him this question about, uh, you know, what, what, on our show, what, what do you do if you're an American citizen and you're coming through the border and they ask you, um, they say they want to search your mobile device or your laptop. So where does it stand in terms of being a, a U.S. citizen? If I'm at the border and I'm, you know, coming back into the United States from a vacation in Canada or Mexico or Europe or wherever, and I have my laptop and my phone, and the border agent says to me, you know, uh, we want to take a look at your electronic devices, what should my response be? Well, your response would be citing a case called United States v. Cotterman. And this was a case that was decided in the Ninth Circuit uh, Court of Appeals, generally a court that's very favorable to civil liberties challenges. And they held that uh, the United States border police or law enforcement at the border cannot examine your electronic storage devices without a reason for suspicion. And this is a holding that has weakened the general border search exception to the Fourth Amendment that we've discussed. The, notably, the case and the, the judges in the case did not define what reasonable suspicion is. Reasonable suspicion is a standard that's used in other areas of law enforcement. I think what most people would recognize it from uh, is a Terry stop. If you want to stop uh, and frisk somebody on the street, you have to have reasonable suspicion that they're carrying some sort of weapon. So that is a what we would call a legal term of art. Uh, it's somewhere somewhat short of probable cause that somebody's committing a crime. But you still have to have a reason to suspect that uh, there's something untoward on this electronic device. So this decision uh, has been appealed to the United States Supreme Court. So far, the Supreme Court has not taken up the case. Uh, this opinion is, is controlling law. So if you're at the border and you don't want to reveal your electronic information to a forensic examination, cite United States v. Cotterman. Uh, you might get some confused looks from your border agents, but uh, you would have good legal recourse. So there you go. Yeah, uh, of course, the problem with that being given my limited experiences with people at border controls when I even get a little touchy about showing my documents for the 15th time. Uh, when I state, oh, hey, United States versus Cotterman, I'm expecting myself to be put into a room for three to four hours minimum. Uh, well, yes. And that brings us to the next part of our story, which is that <laughs> <laughs> there is the legal and then there is the practical. So uh, <laughs> you are absolutely you are negotiating with people who have guns. And yes. um, and they also, you know, just as importantly, they have the ability to ruin your day. So you may win the battle and lose the war in this case. Um, so, yeah, if, if they want to to um, to hold on to you, to hold on to your devices and then, you know, down the road, you uh, you prove that we, with your lawyer that um, they were wrong and, and they send you a nice apology letter and, you know, the smoking remains of your mobile device um, <laughs> that that's that's the way it might go. So let's talk about the practical ways to handle this. Um, you know, a lot of the people that we talk to who have to travel overseas um, they just go with burner devices. They put everything on the cloud. Um, you know, I was talking with someone recently uh, with a big company. Um, their executives do not travel with laptops. When they're traveling overseas, they get issued a brand new iPad. 
Um, they take that iPad with them. Everything that they're doing is cloud-based. It's encrypted. Um, and when they come back, that iPad gets disposed of. Uh, it gets destroyed. I, I get that. And I also, I mean, I've also heard things like people have FedExed their laptops or cell phones across the border to to their final destinations and things like that. Uh, the yep. thing with the cloud that I wonder about, though, is because we're also hearing reports about turning over passwords for social media. What is to stop them other than technological um, ignorance, which only lasts for so long, to then ask for, well, what's your Dropbox password? Right. Well, I, I think in that case, you try to not have a device that will lead to those questions. So, right. you know, so when no you're crossing Dropbox the border, app no, you, you get rid of all those apps, right? You don't have Facebook on your phone. I'm sorry. I don't use Facebook. I don't use Snapchat. I don't, I don't have Dropbox. You know, if you're uh, crossing over with a flip phone. Now, see, um, that, again, now, see, I looked at the ACLU's website and they said you should, you could do these tactics, but be aware of the fact that you are now technically lying to a border officer. Yes. Which is illegal. <laughs> So you see how, why this question came up in my mind, and and I know that there's no real answers, which I also think is is problematic. It is extraordinarily problematic, and um, you know people are hoping that the Supreme Court takes up some of these issues. You know, this is a big gaping hole in our legal system right now. The fact that um, we have not caught up with the fact that our mobile devices carry so much of our lives with them. And, well, um, dear God, please don't let it be Schulmeister versus the United States of America starting in two <laughs> weeks and have me be the test case on this. <laughs> yeah, I, I wish you luck and I wish I had a better answer for you. But um, so far, this is this is not settled yet. This is yeah. still not settled. It's a very confusing area. So but thank you for bringing some light to it. It, it is it, as soon as you start to question things, you really go down a rabbit hole and there are no answers. Yeah. There's, there is one other option, though. Don't take don't, nothing. Don't come back. <laughs> <laughs> well, Jason, <laughs> you do like Canada. I'm just saying you like Canada a lot. Maybe just go and don't come back. <laughs> you really don't know how close to a reality that is. Oh, I this is actually starting to get. That's why I threw yeah. it out there. I think for many of us that, <laughs> that, that it, we, we're considering that more than we ever have before, perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Thank you All very right, much, Dave. Of Thanks course. for cheering me up, Dave. Uh, well, <laughs> good luck. Travel safe. Uh, let us know how it goes. So we'll talk to you guys oh, soon. Oh, you'll, you'll read about it in the papers. <laughs> and everybody, be sure to go check out Dave's weekly podcast at thecyberwire.com. At the library. Now, I said last week that it was probably going to be a couple of weeks before I got to a new book because the Sherlock Holmes by Stephen Fry on Audible that I got was 63 yes. hours. That's that's a lot of hours. I'm almost done. <laughs> well, I mean, if you can put it on throughout your day and yeah. uh, all that sort of stuff, you can burn through it pretty quick. Yeah, I listen at one and a half and uh, with my new Apple AirPods it makes mm -hmm. it much easier. Um, so it's the only thing I haven't listened to. I skipped The Hound of the Baskervilles because I really don't like that book. Okay. I know it's like one of the fan favorites, but it's my least favorite. But uh, yeah, I think I got about uh, eight hours to go and I'm done. Crazy. It's probably my, my least favorite episode of, of Sherlock with Cumber Blah Blah Blah. Yeah, yeah. It was terrible. It was absolutely <laughs> god-awful terrible. That was back when uh, the first couple seasons where episode two was always the dog. No pun intended. Yeah. <laughs> 
So I started in on Change Agent by Daniel Suarez. Doesn't come out till April 18th. So pre- yes. pre-order now. Right. Um, and it's funny when I was listening this morning, uh, we first mentioned Daniel Suarez's uh, books, Demon and Freedom uh, TM. Right. I, actually, I think it was just Demon at that point. I don't think Freedom TM had come out at that come out then on episode five of Grumpy Old Geeks. Wow. Digging up all the past. Are you like indexing this? Tagging uh, things with keywords. I think I, I might start doing that because I looked probably at, should. Our old show notes suck. So I might go back and kind of fix some of that while I'm listening to it because it makes sense. If I'm going to listen to it, might as well actually just do it now and get it over with. Yeah. I mean, we'll build up quite an interesting. Uh, everybody always writes us and complains about like searching through our stuff and things like that. I'm like, how hard is it? There's a search bar. Well, the interesting thing about our old shows is that there weren't that many links. It, it's a completely different show than it is now. Yeah. So, you know, now you look at we have like, you know, 50 or 60 links in every block of show notes. Back then there would have been two. Yeah. But we, I can like, you know, put the con the concepts in and timestamp them, I think. Yeah, I think that's a good way to go. Yeah, because I, re- I remember it took me forever to figure out uh, the episode where we talked about supporticons. <laughs> that was episode. <laughs> that. that was episode two, by the way. <laughs> oh, OK. Uh, so much has changed in the world. Uh, yeah. Surprisingly, <laughs> WordPress still sucks. We still hate Squarespace. Although in episode six, I do talk about how I love Squarespace support and that they had me a, as a customer for life. <laughs> how did that last? I'm still a customer of Squarespace, so I can't. Okay. Uh, I'm still there. Yes, uh, but not by choice. Begrudgingly. <laughs> I am begr- a begrudging Squarespace customer. We even titled an episode, Unintuitive Fuster Cluck, after them. So. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I dug into that one and I want to say if anybody out there has a blog where they review things or have their own podcast, hook up with NetGalley because all you have to do is say, I'm going to review this on my show and you can get advanced copies of just about anything. That's not quite true. Well, that's how I got a copy of Change Agent and I, I get, you know, 10 books a, a month from them. It's still not quite true, Jason. I have signed up as well. Now, the way that it works is if you are requesting any of the kind of unknown first time authors, they will throw that thing at you in two seconds. Uh If you are requesting somebody a bit higher up on the food chain of Authorville, i.e. Suarez, and you haven't requested any other books in the past or very few, or they haven't personally verified you, you will not get approved for the book. I have not been approved for the Suarez book because I've not really requested anything before. Interesting. So so there is a bit of a scalability that they put into it. So they're not going to just toss new books ahead of time at you from well-known authors until you've kind of proven yourself. Here's the thing about the Suarez book. Go check your library because I got the same email asking me to write to them and uh, say, hey, I, I check. I check my library. It's not there. Oh, OK, um, well, I'll give you my login. <laughs> <laughs> no, don't worry about it, because I mean, the book comes out in it's a uh, month. Yeah. 29 days from today and I've got three other books to get through. So okay. I'm not in any rush. So and I don't mind. I'm going to buy it anyway. So. So, yeah, so I got an there. email from the the uh, publisher asking me about what I would like to do with the book. Um, so I sent them back an email. Email was invalid. So I, <laughs> I keep getting all these bounce notices that keep coming back every you know day or so <laughs> saying this message was undeliverable. But I looked at my library and boom, there's the book. So they just kind of put it through. Right. So, yeah. Well, apparently, uh, you're so not, it's not, you're not, it's not quite as cut and dry. So, I, which I get, I mean, if I were to build up this sort of thing and if I was a book publisher and I was giving my book away to a service that basically 
gives the book away to other people. I'd want to I'd want to know some metrics. I'd want to know who who's this going to again and why are we giving it away free? How about we only give it to people that have, you know, well-known sites or podcasts or whatnot. So but, uh, you know, if there were there were real good customer service or people over there, they would know that we're one of the few podcasts that actually talks about books. Yeah, so. <laughs> seriously. So do me a favor and just go grab a couple like low level books that you you may have already read. Yeah. And uh, just give them a rating and then that should give you enough history. Yeah, I guess that's really it. But I, I just thought it was interesting that they do seem to be weighted. It's pretty easy to get a, an unknown book. But if you request something that's that's up there, they want some they want something out of you. <laughs> Welcome to Behind the Curtain of Getting Free Shit on Grumpy Old Geeks. Yeah, exciting stuff, <laughs> right, guys? Uh, there's another book that came out that I just bought that is in my queue now, which I didn't know came out, but it came out last month. And this one I, I put in the show notes because it is relevant to what we talked about on security. It's the art mm -hmm. of invisibility. The world's most famous hacker teaches you how to be safe in the age of big brother and big something. I think it was a big government. I cut it short on the copy and big, paste. <laughs> big, big data. Uh, okay. By uh, Kevin Mitnick. Yep. And this came out last, yeah, last month in... Yeah, February. Uh, and I found it because he mentions one password in his book about getting password managers. Somebody tweeted mm -hmm. it and had a had a blurb about it. So uh, it's on my list, but I'm thinking maybe you should pick it up and speed read it before your trip to Canada. Yeah, I, I mean, you know, there's only so much I'm going to do at this point anyways, but it's definitely I think this stuff is of interest, uh, certainly right now. And at this point, the thing that I enjoyed the most about this is the sponsored products related to this item that come up uh, on a, the iTunes page. WordPress and Pinterest, the quick guide <laughs> to surviving the social media revolution. <laughs> mm. Safe computing is like safe, safe sex. You have to practice it to avoid infection. Oh, God. And blockchain down the rabbit hole. Discover the power of blockchain. Who writes this shit? Yeah, well, people who don't sell a lot of books, probably. I can get those for free on NetGalley without a problem. <laughs> without a problem. <laughs> uh, and I finally, I stepped away from everything I'd been reading because we've been discussing recently about how you shouldn't just run through series or even stay within genre because you do burn out. So it's always nice to switch things up. So I went and basically read an, a biography of one of my favorite authors. Uh, unfortunately, he hasn't put out a real book in quite some time. So this is this is all I got. And this is from 2014, I believe. Tibetan Peach Pie, a true account of an imaginative life from uh, Tom Robbins, who is definitely one of my absolute favorite authors and i really enjoyed his autobiography even though it did kind of just make me wish i was getting a new book from him um may not be getting a new book from him i had no idea he was as old as he is in fact i had no idea about most of his personal life which is kind of what i like about authors um i like not knowing things but he certainly had a very interesting life he is 84 years old Wow. I had no, no idea he was that old. I mean, I knew he was, you know, big counterculture guy. I knew a lot of it was 60s based, but 84. was born in 1932. Whoa. Lived a massively super interesting life. You would never guess because of all the photos that exist of him, but they all must be super old. Who the hell knows? He does not look 84. Um, it was a fun read. I mean, again, I just want a new book from him, hopefully maybe two before he goes the way of the dodo. Uh, but uh, yeah, fun, fun read. Interesting life. Good guy. Yeah. My girlfriend in high school was, was a big fan of Tom Robbins. And at that point he still had, he had already had a bunch of books out. So yeah, been around for a while. Yeah. Been around his first book, another red side attraction, 1971. 
my personal favorite, Jitterbug Perfume, 84. Uh, the most recent novel, Villa Incognito, was 2003. He had a collection in 2005, a novella, B is for Beer, which all grumpy old geeks should check out in 2009. Uh, but yeah, it looks like we may not be getting another full-throated novel from him, which is a bummer. But if you're a fan, I highly recommend Tibetan Peach Pie. Ups and doodads. I just wanted to do a little follow-up here on my AirPods since I've had them for a week now. Okay. They're still here, have not fallen out once. Uh, very comfy, Very sound very good. I almost forget they're in half the time, and I love them. They are fantastic. The Just the, the sound quality, the ease of use, you know, when I want to listen to something else, take them out, pop them in my pocket. The one thing that I really, really like, though, is the integration with uh, the player on the iPhone in my Apple Watch. Because what I'll do is my phone will be charging upstairs in my house all mm-hmm. day. But when I want to go and I have my Air- AirPods in all day and I'm wandering around the house doing whatever. And if I want to do anything like um, if I take them out, do something and then I want to start up again, sometimes it won't auto start when I put them in if they're out for a while. So I'll stick mm-hmm. them in and then I just hit uh, tap the side button on my watch. It pops up the the player from my phone no matter what's playing, it could be audible or it could be overcast or whatever. And then I just hit play and I go, Cool. it's nice. like, it's super simple. So I think that integration between all three of them has really, you know, kind of made it work for me. Right. I'm a, I'm, I'm a definite fan and you know, I'm sure even if you don't have the Apple watch, they still work just as good. But the, the really cool thing is like, I'll have my AirPods in, have my phone in my pocket. I'm listening. I'll get in my car, turn on my car on. It'll automatically switch from my phone to the or my AirPods to the stereo in the car. Start playing. I take out my AirPods. Uh, when I get to where I'm going, I pop my AirPods back in, turn the car off, picks back up in my AirPods. Boom. Like no transition whatsoever. It's very smooth. Very, very smooth. Very cool. I'm not sure if I'm ready for smart headphones, but we shall see. Yeah, <laughs> I just, they just work. I like it. That's nice. Uh, we talk a lot about Sweden. Sweden. Going to Sweden to get shows that we couldn't get elsewhere or didn't want to wait for because of stupid, you know, international laws, silly laws, pork, 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 or just even the fact that, you know, we all know that we're getting completely screwed by cable providers. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, I remember back in the day, the old school cable breaker boxes, these were talked about throughout the neighborhood in hushed tones by by dads. And, you know, you know, we would secretly kind of hope that our parents would get them at some point because we also knew that not only did it mean getting, you know, HBO and Fraggle Rock for free, it meant the porn channels would probably be free. Um, So these were there are the modern day equivalents of this now and they're available on Amazon, which blows my mind because you used to have to, like, find somebody who would, like, put one together with parts from Radio Shack. Um, You can look. There's a link in our show notes uh, for the Goo Bang Do. This is the best name ever. <laughs> XB2 Android 5.1 TV box uh-huh. uh, with a unique server and true 4K playing. Uh, some of my in-laws up in Canada land happen to have this. Uh, anything for free all the time. No problems. This ever. is just taking a straight cable, in inbound cable connection that you don't pay for and yep. plugging it in and it decodes it? No, no, this is just for taking your internet connection that you, you theoretically would pay for. And this goes out to Sweden in real time. No no downloading, no anything. It streams anything. Okay, so it's probably a Cody box then. Whatever Co- that may yeah, be. Cody is, Cody is basically the same. It's, it's kind of a streaming BitTorrent 
uh, client that uh, right. everybody is using. <laughs> so. Well, this is this is yes, this trend would be very similar to that, and uh, everybody is using it. And yeah, why bother? You know, I mean, we're talking movies that are still just in theaters. Yeah, uh, we're we're talking every episode of every show on every channel, and within seconds, with ever without there ever being a problem. And here it is on sale for Prime members on Amazon. It's not hard to get. <laughs> no, no. I mean, it's it's sixty seven bucks. But I can have it. I can have it tomorrow for sixty seven dollars. <laughs> all it is is a computer, though. I mean, that's really all it is. So, I yeah. It, but is a computer so fine tuned with its own GUI that <laughs> it's insane how advanced these things are. Now, do do your friends in Canada do they get the little keyboard that goes with it? Yes, they do. Okay. Um. Well, let's uh, let's add those to cart. <laughs> <laughs> Because I've got, you know, I've got a Mac Mini hello, plugged into hello, mine. Hello, Spectrum. I'd like to cancel my account. <laughs> yeah. Well, fortunately, I don't have an account. Uh, but now the uh, the thing about this is, does it have Wi-Fi? Because it says it's got, you know, a LAN connection, a gigabit LAN connection, but I don't have a cable downstairs. Does it have Wi-Fi? I, I do not have the answer to that because that would be illegal for me to know. You will have to take your own guesses. Well, no, I'm just going to read the product description here at the bottom of it. Supports dual band Wi-Fi 5 gigahertz and 2.4 gigahertz. AirPlay, uh, Miracast, DLNA, and H.265. Okay. Okay, still in the cart. Proceed to checkout. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, let me know how that goes. Um, it's certainly an interesting... Again, I, I'm just blown away at the fact that not only is it just so easy to get, I mean, you don't even have to. It's just on Amazon. Not only is it on Amazon, it's there's a sale for Prime members. Uh, wow, it's ins- and this is fulfilled by Amazon. Yeah, crazy. I mean, it's a computer. It's Absolutely not doing anything. Crazy. It's not doing anything illegal. So, yeah, sure. It, what you do with it could be, but that could be said about any computer that you've ever bought in your lifetime. You know? Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But the, here's the thing. It's, wait, wait until you plug that thing out of the box and look at the UI and you tell me that it could just be like anything. And <laughs> I will. I'll, I'll review it next week. I ordered it because for under a hundred bucks, you know, because we, we just I just mentioned Cody and yeah. I started to install it on my Mac mini, which is connected to my TV downstairs. Yeah. And it is such a pain in the ass to install that I just said, screw it. I'm not going to deal with it. And but because it was going to take, here's the rule. If it takes more than two hours and this costs under a hundred bucks, well, this is cheaper because I can spend those two hours working Yep. and then yeah, still and come it, out ahead. Yeah. And again, that's kind of my point on this is it's so, this is so pu- plug and play like mm-hmm. anybody. All you have to do is buy it and plug it in and you're basically got every TV show and movie that's ever been made for free. Okay. Well, <laughs> I will, uh, I'll let you know how it goes next week. All right. Yay, Sweden. Um, I found an extension for Google Chrome called OneTab. Apparently, it also works for Firefox if you're a Philistine and still using that browser. <laughs> uh, basically, it's super simple, super easy. If you have a shit ton of, of tabs open and you want to keep them open and go off and do something else and don't want this huge memory suck that you get from Chrome, you tap on OneTab. It puts them all in a list, sucks down the memory reduction, go off and do other things. You come back, you hit the button again, reestablishes all the tabs. Super simple, super easy, super effective. Yeah, that's good. I had one before that uh, I forget what it was called. We we were we covered it yeah. on the show years ago. It was like pause tab or something like that. Something like that. Yeah. Yeah. So. If you didn't use a tab for five minutes, it would it would sleep the tab, so it didn't take up any 
memory. There was a problem with it, though. And uh, I remember using it, too, and uninstalling it because it would have problems bringing the page back out of sleep mode. Yeah, it would kind of like if you were logged in, it would try and re-log re you in or something like that. It was it was janky. So, But yeah. this one's working for you? How long have you used yeah. it? Uh, about a week and a half now. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I mean, I don't, I don't use it often because I, I tend to, I tend to be pretty anal about my workspace and don't have multiple tabs open unless it's for this show. So, uh, you know, my use case is not probably as often as, as yours will be, but I've yet to run into a problem. Yeah. My standard tab configuration is about 10 to 12 tabs open at any given time, but you might like this a lot then you might give it a go for probably, a week. Yeah, we'll see. I don't, I, when I have all those tabs open, I'm working in them. You know, right, and if I'm yeah. not working in my close the browser, so I don't know if this is for me. Let me know if they get picked up for season three and then I'll uh, I'll install it. OK, I'll let you know. Thanks. Uh, we always hear about how we are carrying around more power in our pockets than the people had to send a send a rocket to the moon. Sort of true. Not necessarily. And some grumpy old geeks like us really went in depth on this. There's a whole YouTube video to watch. But the TLDR on this is while, yes, the iPhone is certainly more powerful several thousand times over than the computers that they use to send people to the moon. They built those computers in a way that they would never, ever freeze or break down and your iPhone is a piece of pot crap that I'll always freeze and break down. Okay. So they had, <laughs> they had hardened, hardened computers and we just have this thing in our pocket. Okay. Yep. So that's the TLDR on it, but the video is definitely worth the watch link in the show notes. Yeah, that's cool. I, I'm sick of hearing that. So I'll, I'll watch this. So I have some ammo. Well, next time yeah, somebody says it now you can be that super annoying guy that goes, well, no, not really. Yeah, no, it's <laughs> daylight saving time. <laughs> that oh, guy. Oh, God, I hate that douchebag. <laughs> I'm so tired of that guy. <laughs> uh, and, and I complained about it on Twitter, and somebody thought I was being that guy. And I'm like, no, 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 you misinterpreted my tweet. Like, like has never been said before. Um, <laughs> so it was, it was pretty good. Yeah. You and the president, I was using air quotes. Air quotes, yeah. I actually yeah. went back and looked at it to make sure that there were quotes in there, and there were quotes in his tweet, which pissed me uh, off. <laughs> no, but to be fair, he he mentioned it more than once. I think he mentioned it in twelve different tweets, and only one had air quotes. The first one had air or the first one had quotes. There weren't air also, quotes. <laughs> also, they're they're understood quotes moving throughout any other quotes on the timeline. Apparently they're, per, they're persistent quotes. So anytime oh. he says wiretapping in the future or tap with two P's, then, then you, you have to imply quotes because at one point he said, he said the constant of wiretap is quotes. It's not a variable. It's a constant. So anytime he says wiretap, it comes with quotes built in. Well, now it makes sense. Yeah. So there you go. Now Delete program. <laughs> now we, we've seen this around the internet this week. It's called hush me. It is the Bane, a uh, face mask that that masks your voice with an earpiece so you can talk amongst yourself in a in a, you know, a public place without being overheard. Yep. Um, <laughs> I just wish this thing like uh, just emitted chlorine gas when you put it on and just killed you in your spot. But I the only reason I would ever purchase this is if I wanted to go full Geordi for for Halloween and I would put it over my eyes instead of my mouth. Oh, then you wouldn't be able to see, though. Yeah, but I would look cool because it does look like his face visor. Or just go as Bane. And, or you can go as uh, uh, any of the Mortal Kombat characters who had that uh, on their face. Was it uh, Scorpion had it? Uh, Sub-Zero had it? Um, was, it was it Lizard Jesus? Uh, I'm, I can't remember Mortal Kombat 2 characters. This is bad. I'm getting too old. But, well, I don't know any of them. Uh, okay. I'm obviously not in the same group of snarky people on the internet that you are because I had not seen this until you put it in the show notes. 
Oh, okay. uh, so, so I came into this as not knowing necessarily that you were putting it in there ironically. Um, so I made a few bullet points as I was running <laughs> through this, <laughs> thinking this was a serious thing that you were considering, or at least it was a, well, I mean, it is a real product, but well, so, um, well, nobody's seen it. So this could be one of the greatest, you know, pranks of all time, but it could be, I mean, okay. So my first point was who the fuck is doing the voiceover for their videos? Oh my Cause, God. <laughs> Cause first off, it, it sounds like I couldn't tell if it was, an, you know, if they just typed in notepad and used one of the AI, AI voices that you can get out of your thing, or if it was a real person. It was very difficult to tell. I could it's such a stilted, weird accent with weird phrasing and timing. So bizarre. I thought the same thing when I first heard it. I'm like, is that computer generated? Or are they doing computer generated voice that goes through the hush me to try and mask the voice? Because they've yeah. got different voices that you, you can become Darth Vader or R2-D2 or whatever. And here's the funny thing. I bet they didn't pay licensing fees to use those those names or well, voices. Off, <laughs> uh, we, we don't know if the, any of this even works, because while they do provide the demo video, you don't actually see anything happen in the demo video. Well, you see a guy get up like he's, you know, got to pee like every three minutes for the first yes, half but, of the video. But, <laughs> but there's nothing that shows the product in use, being used, doing what it's supposed to do at all. Just a guy getting up and getting down, getting up and getting down, getting up and getting down. It's terrible nothing, video. <laughs> nothing with the video, with the product actually being used whatsoever. Uh, thirdly, who are you douchebags that can't like go somewhere private to make a private call? And finally, because apparently they were at, uh, what were they at? They were at uh, CES 2017. Okay. So there's a little horribly designed rollover graphic in the middle of their horribly designed scrolling page uh, where you click on CES 17, read more. And I was like, well, maybe I'll actually see this in use here or somebody else talking about it. Nope. Here is the broken English. Our team is still under deep impression of visiting this great event. <laughs> that sounds like somebody that's uh, doing a press release for North Korea. Yes. Our team is still under deep impression of uh, of great father Kim Jong-un. <laughs> yes. We are extremely happy that Hushmi made such a splash in the press. Some resources refer to our gadget as one of favorites. Some draw a comparison with such well-known brand as Bose. And some just call it weird. <laughs> Nevertheless, they are unanimous that Hushmi represents a serious and fresh idea and aims to cover a clear market need. There you go. So, yeah. I wonder if you can't breathe through that thing so you get oxygen, you know, <laughs> depletion <laughs> and your brain just starts to shut down and you cannot uh, speak out of English. Yeah, I, I will say I'm impressed that there is no no Kickstarter or anything. Um, they're just sponsored by this company called ArtKB.net, which if you go to their website is also a hoot. Okay, I'll have to check that out. So, yeah, get Hush Me. Yep. Media Candy. I'm a huge fan of the band Lush, uh, one of the top shoegazing bands from the 90s. Uh, they had a reunion this year, which I'm sure you heard me talking about on this very show. They got together. They actually recorded uh, some new songs and released an EP, and everything looked to be going quite rosy. I went to two of the shows. They were absolutely fantastic. And then, unfortunately, big ball of uh, explosion, and uh, the, uh, the band tragically fell apart again as basically announced that they played their final show ever and will not be getting back together. Totally sad bummer. And, uh, cause there was never really, uh, you know, I need a bit of closure. And if you want some closure, uh, Phil King, who is the bass player for the band has put together a 
YouTube video called Lush, a far from home movie, which uh, uses a bunch of clips that he has had together, you know, since the 90s, basically uh, synced up to a lot of their songs and their music. So if you want a bit of closure about Lush and we're totally bummed out that they split up and maybe you didn't get a chance to see them, uh, 26 minutes and 49 seconds of abstract touring band video type goodness. I'm going to check this out because I did love Lush back in the day. Um, my ex-girlfriend, uh, that you know, Missy, turned me on to them long, yeah. long ago. <laughs> and uh, we had many a romantic night to Lush. It was beautiful. But I did not get to see them in in uh, concert when they came back around. So I will definitely go check this out. And uh, yeah, it's- yeah, yeah it's, it's just a nice little, you know, tribute. With is I love that sort of stuff where you get to see, you know, kind of the point of view of a band that's touring around with their little home movies and things like that. So mm-hmm. it's cool for that. Um, if you're really interested, I think that most of their final show is all over YouTube in relatively good quality. I think it might even actually be released at some point. But then again, why bother releasing anything um, in this day and age? Because nobody's <laughs> going to buy it. So uh, you can Google around and, and see them playing live. Oh, cool. Quite good. I'll, I'll check yeah. that out. Yeah, I'll be good. Yeah, I'll, I'll, and, I'll get uh, it on my Google whatever box. Yeah, you can get it on your <laughs> Goo Boo Bang box or whatever the hell that thing's called. Um Depeche Mode have put out their latest album, Spirit. It came out on uh, St. Patrick's Day, uh, Friday, the 17th as well. A couple things. I I bitched about the pre-sale ticket fiasco and that stupid-ass company that tried to gamify it. Uh, er Everybody hated the way the ticket sale bullshit was rolled out because, of course, it was a load of crap. I mean, it didn't matter how far up you were in the gamify queue. You still didn't get great seats because they still didn't, you know, all the great seats are still being held for other promos and things like that. So that was a load of shit. The other big load of shit about that was one of the biggest ways to gamify yourself and get yourself way up in the queue for tickets was to pre-order the album, which would be delivered to you by the day of the album release. Uh, I still have not gotten my album. (laughs) Okay. So thanks a lot, you fuck nuts. And you, well done. And, and you apparently you didn't get your uh, tickets. Your uh... I did not get great seats. They're they're fine, but considering I I had gamified myself up into the top, uh, I think I was position one eighty two for Toronto. Uh, to not get great seats, not even on the floor, is absolutely ridiculous. Oh, that sucks. Um, yeah, it's a load of shit. Especially so, since but, I I even helped you out. I retweeted I or whatever. I know. I, I mean, I did quite good. I was way up in the queue for that. Anyways, so regardless of the rollout and the stupid companies that promise to do a bunch of crap to both fan and band and management, I'm sure it is falling through and probably not very happy because this is a high profile screw up on their part. Uh, the movie, the the movie, the album went on streaming networks, uh, so you can listen to it on Spotify, iTunes, wherever you want. It's I've listened to it a handful of times now. As, as you know, I'm I'm a huge Depeche Mode fan. Um, I won't. It's not a great Depeche Mode album, but then again, I don't think there's been a great Depeche Mode album since Alan Wilder left the band a long time ago. Um, but Martin and uh, Dave Gahan have, are, you know, good songwriters, and I would say this is a great protest album. Okay. Uh, if, you, if you're not uh, happy with the current administration and the, you know, the march of uh, populism across the globe, uh, they aren't either. And they pull no punches about it on this album. So it's kind of insane to think that the only or at least the big, highest profile protest album out right now about everything going on in the world is coming from some like almost 60 year old electronic music boffins. <laughs> but it is. So. Okay, I'll give it a listen. If it's on, if it's on, if it's on the Spotify, I'll give it a listen because I want to justify my my ten dollars a month. <laughs> it is on the Spotify and worth a listen. I mean, if nothing else, the production is super interesting. Um, you know, I don't know. Again, it's not it's not one of the best Depeche Mode albums out there, but certainly uh, topical. 
and and made me angry when I was listening and uh, riding around on my bike. So okay, and in relevant to your your ex clients, I've actually been listening to the new Green Day album on Spotify. I have not listened to it. Isn't it's it not good? bad. It's not right. bad at all. It it here's the thing: if you like Green Day, it's a Green Day album. <laughs> they're, well, they're look, pretty much I mean, all the same. <laughs> yeah, I was about to say for Green Day, it's it's you know there's there's uh, you know ten ten degrees of variance in their albums. Yeah, that make, yeah. That make them good or bad, but they all certainly sound like Green Day. <laughs> yes, they do. And it's funny yeah. when I was I was driving home one day and I they they were playing a new song on the radio from the album, mm-hmm. and I'm like. What, who's this fucking band that's trying to be Green Day? And I'm like, oh, it's Green Day. Oh, it, it, it's, it's, it, it's Green Day trying to be Green Day. Yeah, it was funny. I, I, I mean, as soon as they said, and that was blah, blah, blah by Green Day, I just, I like almost ran off the road. I was laughing so hard at myself. Yeah. Good yeah. stuff. Um, so in related news to the whole Depeche Mode presale load of crap that's going on, Ticketmaster is also rolling out their own attempt to try to make uh, ticket buying better for fans, fight against ticket buying bots, et cetera, et cetera, this time using big data and, a com- you know, using a combination of technology and customer personal data to take on the $8 billion problem of of ticket buying bots and secondary ticket markets. So they're rolling out something called the verified fan program that I'm certain will not work. Yeah, so. didn't I, you know, when we first started talking to the Grime Life guys, Chris and Seth, Mm-hmm. We were talking about what they were trying to do with verified fan stuff at Comic-Con in New York. Yeah. Because, you know, they were trying to get around, you know, people buying tons of tickets or bots like pre-buying tickets and then just selling them on the aftermarket. Now, yeah. this whole thing with ticket buying bots, I wish that they could figure it out because I am tired of it. I am yeah. sick to death of it. It's yep. it's ridiculous. So if they can figure it out, good on them. But it's Ticketmaster, and they've never done anything good for the universe ever. No, um, that's that's the main problem. It's Ticketmaster and Live Nation. They're not in yeah. the business of of treating their their fans well. That's not their business, and they don't care that much. So yeah. they're not going to roll out a very good technology. And and I had to use them recently to get tickets for an upcoming show. And mm-hmm. uh, our our tickets ended up four tickets for this show ended up costing seven hundred and twenty dollars. Uh, yeah, that's about what I ended up paying for the four tickets for Depeche Mode too, which is outrageous. Out of out of that seven hundred, yeah, out of that seven hundred and twenty dollars, one hundred and twenty dollars were Ticketmaster fees. It's just yeah. like, come on, you're and you're not even printing anything. I had to print it my goddamn self. I yep. hate I hate you, Ticketmaster. Die in yep. a fire. But yeah. I I you know I hate StubHub even more. <laughs> well, the secondary ticket market is a load of crap as well. I, and then that doesn't even address the real elephant in the room, which, like I said, for Depeche Mode and for, sorry, any band that plays anything bigger. If you're in a seated venue, the, the biggest problem in the room is the holds for for basically uh, VIPs. Uh, mm-hmm. And for credit card companies, American Express will throw, you know, two million dollars at at uh, at Ticketmaster and say, well, we want the best seats in the house. That's how I got so, those tickets uh, that I spent yeah. so much money on. Yeah. Through American yep. Express. Yep. So if you're a fan in a presale, you're still not going to get great tickets. It's it's all a scam and it's all hidden. It needs to be transparent. But then that destroys the entire industry. Yeah. So. Whatever happened with that Pearl Jam dude trying to take down Ticketmaster? You know, it's funny. I was bringing that up because people were complaining, uh, talking about the Depeche Mode thing, especially my friends in the music industry in Toronto. And I was like, hey, it was 23 years ago today that Pearl Jam started. (laughs) (laughs) Boy, things have certainly gotten better in the past 23 years, haven't they? So, yeah, that was 23 (laughs) years ago and nothing's happened. So Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay, moving on. 
Moving on, uh, speaking of a while ago, 2011, David Fincher released The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo. I had read all the books. I thought the movie was somewhat interesting. I had seen the the real Swedish movies. Those were good. <laughs> uh, and I thought those were good as well. But uh, And I thought The Girl with the Dragon Tattoo here with with uh, David Daniel Craig, sorry, and Rona Mari. Actually, I thought it did relatively well, so I was a bit surprised when nothing happened. Yeah, I was too. I was completely surprised, and I've been waiting for the next episode, but I uh, guess we're not going to get it. Well, we'll, we are, sort of. Sort uh, of. They're, they're <laughs> skipping ahead a bit. They're adapting the fourth installment in the series, which is the one not written by the original author, uh, because the original author died. Oh, I didn't uh, know that. Yeah, so there was a fourth book that was commissioned by the estate, uh, which I have not read, and they're going to make that without the original stars, uh, Rudamara or Daniel Craig, even though Rudamara has expressed interest in coming back to play the character. They've uh, kind of said, no, we're going to do something that is both a sequel and a reboot of the franchise. That's so stupid. Yeah, it is stupid, but not as stupid as the other bit of news that hit this week. <laughs> Let's stick with the theme here. Let's go. Uh, yes, Warner Brothers has decided that they are going to reboot The Matrix. No, 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 no. Yeah. So instead of, whoa, this would be no, no. <laughs> so, I mean, they have this is the dumbest thing in the world anyways, because they could just make it a continuation of the story because the entire world reboots. Yeah, but they're not going to do that. They're going to actually reboot it and just redo it with different people and a different writer and different. <sighs> I'm sorry, why? the movie's not old enough to do that. No, it's not. And Wired does a really interesting take on that. Uh, rebooting the Matrix. Yeah, that's not how nostalgia works. Yeah. And kind of, this is not going to work, Warner Brothers. I mean, if they went, if they got the original cast back together and then scrapped two and three and made two and three better, yeah. I'd be fine with it. Because well, and two and three were just steaming piles of shit. But eh. And the mechanism exists to do that because the entire story is the fact that the entire world gets rebooted through Neo every single time. Except so. Neo's 50 years old now, which would be a problem. <laughs> well, it just took him longer to get around to him this time. And yeah. besides, have, have you seen him? He doesn't look that much older. He really doesn't. I saw it's John like Wick, him. too, and he looks the same. He yeah, just has like a beard. Dick, like Dick Clark. Uh, that's Whoa. what happens when you have money. Lots yeah, and lots man. of money. And let me tell you what you have when you have lots and lots of time and apparently have lots and lots of money, although God knows how. Um, if, you, if you were really into Breaking Bad and you happen to be a French filmmaker named either Lucas Stoll or Gaylor Morstan, uh, you spent two years of your life putting together a Breaking Bad movie edit. Two, two years. hours long. A two-hour edit of the entire 62-episode show that basically makes a really dark and compelling, in theory, uh, movie out of this. I say in theory because copyright is a bitch, and even though they started to get all kinds of press for this, uh, <laughs> then AMC stepped in and said, hang on a second. You, yeah. don't get to make, you don't get to do a two-hour mega cut of our property and place it all over the internet, so sorry, this video does not exist anymore. Anywhere. Yeah. Uh <laughs> What, what, what the hell were they thinking? I what were they thinking? Two well, they were years. Thinking, they were thinking, let's do this. We'll show off our chops and surely someone will now hire us. Oh, my God. That's a that's a two year resume that the dog just ate. Yeah, pretty much. <laughs> I mean, I'm sure they have their own copy of it. And obviously it's still out there on Sweden. But I don't quite understand where the time, the impetus or the effort came into this. Or how about you just spend two years doing something original? Yeah, seriously. Anyways, that's mind bogglingly stupid. Yes, they should have been in Moron of the Week. <laughs> anyway, I did see uh, Kong Skull Island this week. Mm -hmm. Loved it. Just yeah, going to say I, I, 
Look, I've been hearing good things about it, too. I mean, the worst thing I've heard is the plot isn't exactly the best, but it's a monster movie. So, Jesus, what do you expect? It's a monster movie. But here's the difference between this monster movie and every other monster movie. The monster's in it. You yeah, know? that helps. <laughs> like, you look at Cloverfield. The monster was in it for like 27 seconds. You look at uh, the last Godzilla movie. You could barely see the monster in that one. This one, Kong's in it like half the damn movie. Cool. Front, front and center. It's not like I, they're hiding him, and there's tons of other monsters. It's 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 great. I loved it. it it's silly fun. It's silly fun. And if any, anybody's out there going, yeah, but it's not like true to the original, and I don't know if it's like you know, oh, the wish Fay Ray and all this. I'm just like, shut up. It's a monster movie. Chill. Uh, Have a beer. Right. <laughs> I mean, uh, yeah. I mean, I guess my only complaint about this is what we were just complaining about with with reboots and things like that. Uh, so soon like I, I feel like there's a Godzilla or a Kong movie coming out every two years along with a new Spider-Man why is everything so fast these days yeah I yeah I don't well, need it I'm, I'm this, the Spider-Man good, thing good to hear it's, it's yeah <laughs> it is it's fun and it I think it actually does help that my local AMC theater I do get to go sit in a nice leather reclining chair and mm-hmm. before I go in I get a very large beer that I take into the theater and I drink while I watch the movie so, you know, your mileage may vary. And nice. harking back to the days of the old Internet, Skip Intro was a favorite on every site <laughs> that had a stupid fucking flash per, like interstitial at the beginning before you got to your website. Everybody yes. had a Skip Intro button. Well, Netflix is finally adding one to the opening credits of some of their shows. Finally. OK, good. E- except <laughs> mm-hmm. it only works on the web version. Right. Because I am 10 episodes into the new Iron Fist, and they do this annoying thing. Like, the first couple episodes, you can skip the intro. Like, you know, like, next, like go to the next episode. It'll skip the intro and go to it. Now what they've decided to do in the last half of the season is they'll do, like, six to eight minutes of show, then put the credits in. Right. Then put the rest of the show. So you still have to skip the damn credits. And I, I have no idea what the fucking rationale behind that is. They, it's so stupid. It's like, okay, I, I got into the show. Now I have to sit there with my crappy ass Apple remote that works half the time and get past the stupid fucking credits. It's, it's so annoying. Yeah, oh, and well, I, I dropped my Apple remote this week on my hardwood floor from about six inches and yeah. the glass broke. So now it's wrapped in duct tape. Thanks, Apple. Oh, nice. Yeah. Thanks, Apple. Yeah, that remote sucks. But Jason, I mean, if we expected things to make sense and if things did make sense, we wouldn't have a show. Oh, that's true. This entire show is us complaining about things that are stupid and don't make sense. And speaking of (laughs) stupid and don't make sense and Netflix, they've announced something else that's stupid and doesn't make any sense. Uh, Actually, it kind of does because people are stupid. (laughs) So uh, they're getting rid of their five star rating system because God forbid there be some nuance in the vast amount of different uh, things that they actually carry and the ratings that we could give to them. Nope, that's too complicated for people. So instead of having a five star rating system, which is not that difficult. Folks, we have we'll go to a thumbs up or thumbs down after spend, yeah. they get more than 200 percent more ratings from people if they have up or down thumbs. So they're jettisoning the years and years of data of five star ratings that they've had and millions upon millions of dollars they spent in all those contests to, to get people to use their data to make their reviews and recommendations more relevant. This is the dumbest thing I've heard 
in well probably in about 17 minutes since we talked about something stupid before uh, <laughs> it's it's pretty stupid and i'm not impressed by that at all um at all but uh you know it could be hiding the a dirty little secret which is maybe that big data isn't all that useful no well uh, if you look at my recommendations recently it's not they haven't <laughs> really hit the mark on just about anything i mean they they recommended the new amy schumer to me and i rated her a one star on the last one so well, yeah there you go yeah, just nobody's nobody's home. Nobody's home anymore. No. Uh, but we were talking about rage before. And speaking of rage, Danny Boyle was on the Nerdist podcast this week, and it was a great interview. Fan, it was just fantastic. And uh, the one takeaway from this is 28 Days Later is not a zombie movie. It's an outbreak movie. So. Well, thank God that that's settled. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> now all I have to do is figure out GIF versus GIF. Uh, <laughs> have you seen T2 yet? No, I looked for uh, things. It, so it's supposed to, it said it came out March 17th, but I went to IMDb and then it said March 31st. And then I went to my local theater to find tickets and it wasn't on the docket. So I don't know if it's out or not. Weird. It's out here. It yeah, I guess it's a slow rollout. Yeah. Okay. I can, see it, uh, I can see it in 10 minutes if I want to. Oh, man. Yeah. Uh, well, next Friday, I'm going to go if it's if it's finally out. I will definitely be going next Friday before. Okay. Uh, yeah, I, I guess it's a staggered rollout. I just would have figured you would have seen it. So yeah, uh, yeah. I if it was available, it. I'm there first showing. Period. Cool. All right. Well, we'll hear about it next week. Moron of the week. The thing is, this story hit right after we finished recording last week, and so it's now had seven and a half days of news cycle on it. But we'd be completely remiss if we did not put this in here because a it's moronic and B it's right up our alley. And how could, how do we not Kelly and Conway? We could be watched by microwaves that turn into cameras. Oh yes. <laughs> I, yeah, we don't need to talk about it because again, new cycles, but Jesus Christ, people. Yeah. Kelly Ann isn't, uh, yeah, I'm not even going to say what I was going to say. <laughs> Never mind. It's, mm-hmm. It is too unfamily friendly for even I'm, me to say. I'm so glad the government has so much data of me making nachos. <laughs> Okay, and uh, the second moron of the week, this comes from General David Perkins from a, uh, he's an army general from a (laughs) speech that he did. And apparently an ally of ours shot down a $200 drone with a $3 million Patriot missile. Uh, (laughs) Well, it worked. It worked. (laughs) He did did say that the drone did not have a chance against the Patriot missile, which for $3 million a shot. I'm glad <laughs> I'd be worried if it did. Um, you know, I mean, to be fair, though, if it's our allies doing it and we're selling them the missiles, fire away, fuckers. That's true. That's true. <laughs> Fuck yeah, America. <laughs> brick a brick. Friend of the show, Felicia Michaels. She's been a guest before. Very funny comedian um, has written a very funny yet serious article that we should bring light to and because she's our friend anyways uh link in the show notes without obamacare my kids would be cleaning my shit literally uh and this gets into healthcare and the current debate that's going on but uh and and a personal story about how if there wasn't for the affordable care act and medical care that has been in existence for a little while now uh she would basically be, be broke and destitute so yeah, healthcare is important people Listen to a go read a personal story about it. And as she says at the end, if we aren't here to care for each other, then what the hell are we here for? Yeah, there. no, I uh, definitely. 
Look at uh, also my other friend, Shani Jardin, who's been on CNN and MSNBC yes. talking about uh, it. Basically, she'd have been dead without it, too, because of her uh, breast cancer. Yep, exactly. She Her story is very widely publicized and very important. So we'll throw that in the show notes, too. Let's throw that link. Okay. Uh, now, on to the world of meat. <laughs> Let's talk yes. about meat. <laughs> yes. We've talked about the vat-grown meat before and the $180,000 hamburger and the $18,000 mm-hmm. meatballs. Yes. Well, now we've got chicken. All right. Yes. They they figured out how to make chicken in a in a vat, as it were. Okay. Uh, we're at about nine thousand dollars a pound right now. That's yeah, that's a, that's that's an expensive chicken. Yeah, yeah, that's a that's a Trumpian McNugget right there. That, so yes, it is. Yes. <laughs> but they're they're on their way. They want to have they want to have it on the market by twenty twenty in an affordable I, affordable way. I am so on board with all of this. I love this idea. I'm I'm down with it. I know you know everybody has to throw in the the price per pound at the end of these stories right now because it is outrageous. It's just R and D. It's R and D. That's how it's R and D, and that's why it's that crazy. I mean, the idea. I love meat. I love steak. I love I love chicken. I am never going to be vegan, but I I will be all over this vat fed stuff because I don't. You know, I want ethical treatment of animals. I want all of that sort of stuff, which isn't really happening in our industries. And if we can get something that tastes the same from a vat with no actual animal being harmed in this process, I'm I'm in. Yeah, me too. I'm I'm a thousand percent behind it. You know, I'll be the I'll be the first in line if at the uh, I'll I'll be first to suck on the chicken tube. Yeah, send me some vat nuggets. Mm-mm. <laughs> uh, another thing that was going around this week, uh, I put this in the in the show notes before it started going around, and unfortunately, most people may have seen this already. But uh, it's a it's a playlist on YouTube from the newly declassified nuclear test videos. They are awesome Horrifying. to watch. <laughs> They're awesome. <laughs> they are. It's pretty mesmerizing. I would suggest just putting on the playlist, tossing it over to your TV or whatever your biggest screen is, and just letting it play out. And uh, you know, throw on throw on Doctor Strange Love after that. And well, I was going to say, freak out, man. Uh, before I still have never seen Doctor Strange Love. I should probably get on that. Um, you should probably get on that, Jason. <laughs> uh, before I can't. <laughs> before I get exactly. Uh, I was just going to say, actually, you should throw on some Ministry and KMFDM uh, while you're watching these. If you want to harken back to the old uh, industrial club days, because that's true. Yeah, the kind of thing that they used to show in those clubs. But man, some of these are just unbelievably terrifying. The power. Yeah. That, and these are these are the baby nukes. The ones yeah. nowadays are a hundred times more powerful. I, I I I shudder to think about you know what what the new ones would do. Jeez, I really really, I, it's you gotta go see. You you need to watch Doctor Strange Love. You need to watch it today, or as we call it, the War Room at Mar-a-Lago. Okay, <laughs> I have I have it on my uh, my Mac Mini, so I'll 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 just pop it on later. Yep, there you go. Uh, I need a need a break from all this fun stuff. Um, so I found this one from Brian Brushwood's tweets. Uh, yeah, was, I saw that. Was, I saw that from him as well. Yeah, this is really funny. If you go to the O'Reilly Auto Parts store, uh, their webpage, and in the parts search field, type one two one G, which mm-hmm. is very clever, you mm-hmm. get their listing for a flux capacitor from EB Enterprises. <laughs> and I, you want to know how how lawyers ruin everything? Is it gone? No, but they had to include the line at the bottom, non-functional item displayed for entertainment purposes only. Oh, damn. <laughs> <laughs> so sad. But you can actually go buy one of these on ThinkGeek. So. 
Yes. Let's just actually probably has some sort of verbiage about it's non-functional and will not send you back in time. Oh, man, that's so sad. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I hate people. So uh, <laughs> I found a video uh, this week from a guy named Larry Enticer, and he's a guy who likes to ride his snowmobile. He's apparently a snowmobile enthusiast. And the, the title of this is Larry Enticer Sends It. And it's him making a couple jumps on his uh, snowmobile before his snowmobile is no longer a snowmobile. <laughs> and the best part about it is he just keeps saying, I'm going to send it. And then at the end of the video, he's like, uh, I'm going to go have a beer and tomorrow I'm going to send it. <laughs> and I just wanted to end Brick a Brack this week on a happy note. So I recommend going to watch this video. And in your own life, everyone out there listening, send it. Gave her another go. Didn't go so well. Feedback loop. We have a new Patreon supporter who is a previous Patreon supporter who is now back. David Remley, uh, who's also an Art of Charm alum and uh, just picked up our Sennheiser headphones that we uh, preach about on the show. And in a surprising turn, didn't think they were all that. Yeah, well, I mean, I like them. I like them too. I have, this is the first, uh, it, the first middle of the road review that I've gotten from them so far. Okay. Well, you know, not, not everything's going to win everybody over. I, I just want to take a second and, and thank everybody that's been supporting us on Patreon. Actually, we've had certainly a, an upkit uptick in people doing so. I don't know if it's because I actually just started to blast that out in the social media stuff. And, and it reminds you guys throughout the week to, to help us out. Whatever it is, I don't care. Thanks a lot. It really means a lot. It's it's the main reason we keep doing this shit. So. Absolutely. And we've got a we actually we're working on something special for all of the Patreon supporters that have been supporting us and in the past. And we'll be uh, sending that out to you guys on Patreon pretty soon because we'll need some information from you. But uh, yeah, we we do have some stuff coming for you. So we really appreciate the support. Yep. Yep. Thanks a lot. Uh, so we got some uh, uh, we got a little note here on our website from Patch Holiday. Uh, he says, hey, Brian, I had mentioned Scalzi in a recent review of the podcast. You said you were going to go back to his old man man's war series. Contrary to what Jason heard, the rest of the series was enjoyable, at least in my opinion. Also, I'm not sure if you've read Scalzi's Android's Dreams. The title is a literary tip of the hat to Android's Dream of Electric Sheep, a.k.a. Blade Runner by Philip K. Dick. I'd recommend it if you enjoyed Red Shirts. Uh, thanks a lot for writing, Patch. Uh, I am going to do old man's old man's war series i don't know why i'm stumbling <laughs> over that so bad oh my god uh, yeah it's not even like 10 o'clock there come on <laughs> i know I like, like i said i didn't have much sleep last night thanks to the kid but uh so i will be reading the second one on that next because i enjoyed it yeah jason said that he didn't care much for it no no, no i got a review from a fan of the show uh, right, that right, told right. me about yes. it so yes. so so i'll give it a go you never know um uh, that's probably next up actually yeah, I'll probably read that before I then go back and read the Suarez. So uh, I will. I mean, so far, I'm, I'm liking Scalzi a lot, so I'm sure I will get to Android's dream at some point. That's just not up on the list. I'm going to burn through this series first. But thanks for writing in and confirming. So we'll we'll get there. Cool. Cool. Now, next up, Brian, you want to take us into uh, what Patrick had to say? Sure. This is a friend of the show, Patrick, who sent in an article. He says, good article on the challenges with voice interfaces. And this is uh, at ben-evans.com. Uh, voice in the uncanny valley of AI. And uh, Patrick has picked out a choice quote here. You could call it a graphical user interface, perhaps, and make the voice part optional. 
which is the choicest dig from the article. And then he says, party on. And this is a very long and thought out article that first, it, it, it kind of messes with you because first it goes, wow, this voice stuff is so great. And then it gets into, actually, it's not. It's really way behind. It's going to take a long time to build anything that actually makes sense. And most of this stuff could be done more intuitively using a GUI. Yeah, no, definitely. So, yeah, and that's that's kind of where we're at. I mean, I think the the problem is always as it always is in the tech industry is the hype. It's as soon as as soon as Echo started, as soon as Amazon started shifting units on that, and then you know that the that drove the entire tech journalism industry, and that's all we were hearing about. If this slowly unrolled in the way that it should over time. And people, you know, 20 million people and, and you know, hadn't bought this for themselves and their parents and were expecting it to work perfectly right now. I don't think anybody would be concerned. But the problem is we did. And now we got to tear this down because it is kind of useless at the moment. Especially if you're Scottish or Irish. I can't even imagine. <laughs> I. <laughs> now, this next one, this is a cautionary tale for people who want to write to us who have never <laughs> listened to the show. I was wondering why you put this in here. This comes from Te Guapé. And he says, I really appreciate what you do with Grumpy Old Geeks. Your podcast is riveting and insightful. And I appreciate the extensive coverage on how the Internet is affecting our lives. Plausible and, so far. He may have listened. Yes. And, and at this point, uh, we are going to uh, we're going to redact parts of this. Blank just launched a podcast, which is a really big deal. I think it's really cool and interesting how different businesses are starting to look into podcasting. I work with them and wanted to make sure I connected you guys. Blah, blah, hosts their podcast, and I thought that she would make a really good guest for your podcast. Now, this is where we stop and delete the rest of the email. Um, I get these, or we get these, a couple times a week. Now, yep. when was the last time we had a guest on, Brian? Uh, it's been a long time, and they certainly weren't shilling something. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, Zane Lamprey was our last guest. And oh, that I'm was sorry. Just, he was shilling something. He was shilling something, yes. Uh, so uh, we've had people like Tim Ferriss on. We've had uh, Mike from the Goo Goo Dolls. We've had uh, a lot of people on this show. Uh, and what we found out was that, uh, yeah, it doesn't work for us because apparently you guys don't like it when we have guests on for the whole show. Well, um, Apparently, Guape has not listened to the show because we have not had a guest on for several, several months and probably closing in on a year now. And we get these all the time. So it, I just think it's funny that it, when people write in and say, hey, we want to get this person as a guest on your show. There are so many people out there spamming podcasts right now saying, yeah, hey, I've got a, a person that. that should be on your show. I just found it particularly funny <clears throat> because it. it I know he didn't listen to the show because redacted, we've talked about redacted amount of times and <laughs> crapped all crapped all over redacted and how they are bullshit redacted isn't redacted. So, yes, <laughs> yes, there is no unlimited redacted plan out there. Let's just say that <laughs> nudge, nudge, wink, wink. Yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to throw that out there for, for you guys to see what we get every week. And uh, this is nothing compared to my other my day job for the stuff that we get. But it's funny yeah. when you start look, a podcast I, I, and a blog, you get people that want to want to get on your shit. Yeah. I mean, look, look, I mean, if people out there wanted us to have guests, please write in and let us know and, and make some suggestions. I mean, there are some people out there that we could have on. Uh, John from the Goose has been saying he'd like to come on anytime we'd want him to. Um, we have Carl Wallinger from World Party who would be really interesting and he'd be happy to call in as well. It's just uh, we haven't really seen the interest. So if you guys out there want us to have some guests, let us know. 
Yeah, yeah, I've got a list of people who want to come on too. And here's what I was thinking, Brian. We can actually throw this out to the audience and see what they think. What we, what I was thinking was we can do a 15 minute segment at the end of the show with the guest interview, and that way it doesn't interfere with the show. But we, you get to still meet new people and hear their stories and do cool stuff like that. So if you're interested in that, tweet at uh, me or Brian or the GOG uh, Twitter feed and let us know, or drop us an email, or go to the website. Any any way you can get in touch with us that's not Facebook. And uh, we'll go from there. Yep. Just uh, head over to GOG.show slash support. That's uh, that's one of the better ways to do it as well. So, yep. All right. Next up. Closing shout outs. As of Saturday night, unfortunately, we have to say rest in peace to Chuck Berry, who passed away at the age of 90. Basically, the inventor of rock and roll. Uh, there's a great article that we have in our show notes uh, by Bill Wyman of the, you know, you know, other famous rock and roll bands. <laughs> who wrote about Chuck Berry. Uh, he originally wrote this piece back in December 20th, 2016, before he passed away, but it's doing the rounds after he passed because it was such a good write-up on him. So, all right, Chuck Berry, thank you so much. Yeah, yeah, that was a bummer. I mean, the, the I have to say the upside of Chuck Berry's passing is every radio station I turned to today was playing Chuck Berry. How cool is that? It was great. It was great. Yeah. He had so many great songs. And even just, even thinking back to... The uh, the cover on in Back to the Future, you know. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's he's so much good stuff. I he will be missed definitely. Hey Chuck, it's your cousin <laughs> Marvin. It's Marvin <laughs> Barry. <laughs> uh, so and, and I got to throw a shout out to my friend Francis. Uh, we'll have a link to his Instagram account on uh, the show notes. But Francis works at Warner Brothers and went to the John Wick two premiere and posted mm-hmm. a picture of him. Holding a glass from the Continental Hotel. Now, if you've seen John Wick or John Wick 2, you know that the Continental Hotel is where all the assassins stay. And it is a major part of the movie. Well, Francis this week sent me two rocks glasses from the Continental Hotel. So I am forever in his debt and they will hold a prime place in my pantry. So if you want to come over, Brian, and have a a whiskey on the rocks from the Continental, you're always welcome. You're like the Trump administration of this podcast, just personally profiting left, right, and center. Well, get on it, dude. <laughs> this, is, this isn't like, you know, this isn't a zero-sum game. Get your free shit. <laughs> I'm still holding out for the guy who has the $2 million to send me the one. Yeah. I, I'm, in, I'm in for the big haul. Look, man, I got $6 worth of glasses. <laughs> you keep holding out for that. But Francis has been a friend for a long time since he used to work at the Arclight back in the day. As the, uh, he was the events coordinator at the Arclight in Hollywood, and that's when we became friends. So he's, he's a longtime friend, and I don't even think he listens to the show. So Nice. All right. Uh, until next time, I'm Brian Schulmeister. And I'm Jason DeFilippo. Thanks for listening to Grumpy Old Geeks. GOG.show is our home base where you can listen to old shows, leave feedback, ask us questions, get links to our awesome sponsors, and stuff we like. If you'd like to become an official friend of the podcast, go to GOG.show slash support, where you'll find all of the ways you can support the show and keep us on the air. To learn more about all of the people who make this show possible, please head on over to GOG.show slash about. Show notes for all the links discussed in this episode can be found at GOG.show slash 201. We're driving to Florida.